Hey, it's Kristen. You're listening to Rational in Portland. Welcome to Rational in Portland. Thanks so much for tuning in with us today. We've had one youth episode, and this is our second youth episode. And this is the youngest guest we've had on the podcast. Um, why don't you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, hi. My name is Allie. I'm a student at St. Mary's Academy, and I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How many how many generations has your family lived in Portland? Because my understanding is you all have been here for multiple generations. Yeah, so I'm a fourth generation Portlander. So my mom grew up here, her father grew up here, and then one of my grandfather's parents grew up here. I'm not entirely sure which one, but... And then my dad's also from just Washington. So we're all native West Coasters. And then before you were at... St. Mary's. Were you in public school? Yeah, I went to, it was known as Wilson at the time. I was actually there when the name was transitioning to now be Ida, Ida B. Wells. But um, yeah, and it was all online school at the time. So I never actually went into the building, but I was there for my freshman year of high school. And did you, did you attend, I, I know the name was changed um, sort of in the wake of George Floyd Yeah, during what's known as the as the racial reckoning, if you will. Did, did you attend any of those protests? Yeah, in 2020, um, my parents and I attended one of the peaceful Black Lives Matter protests where we just walked from, I don't know, somewhere in Southeast and walked over the bridge and around that area. And it was really powerful. I mean, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever been to. And my parents were actually a little bit more adamant about going than I think I was. Um, but yes, yeah, so we went to that protest and that was a huge part of my life, for sure. I mean, I was pretty surrounded by it at the time. And do you have any kind of religious persuasion at all? Yeah, I've grown up in a Jewish household. My father isn't Jewish, but my mom is and my grandparents are. And it's definitely been a big part of my life. I mean, I'm in BBYO, which is a worldwide Jewish youth organization. And I was president of my chapter last term. And it's definitely been something that I've chosen to surround myself with. It's never been shoved down my throat, but I've for sure chosen to go down that path. And so does that mean, are you celebrating Shabbat today? We celebrate, so I wasn't home last night because I was at the Lizzo concert, as we talked to, but... Your poor mother. I know. She, every time that I'm not, I called her, and it was such a spontaneous thing, and she, oh, she's I think she's baking, probably a little she's bit envious. She up a storm. Yeah. She was exhausted. Yeah. She'd been on her feet for the last five hours. Yeah. I came home this morning and there was like a freshly baked, beautiful challah sitting on the, I mean, my mom makes like the best challahs every Friday night, but yeah. So we Every Friday? Every Friday. Wow. I know. And they're always so good. So we, we don't do a big thing. We don't go to synagogue or anything, but we just do the prayers, like the candles and every Friday night. So that's kind of the most we do. And we go to synagogue on the high holidays and all that stuff, but... So how did you end up going from 
the IW Wells High School, the public school to to St. Mary's. How did you end up switching? Well, I actually, I went to public school for elementary school, and I mean, my parents were always huge advocates of public school, and I think they always intended on me going to public school throughout my entire childhood and teenage years. That was super important to them, but I ended up going to private Catholic school for middle school, um, and because the public school system was just kind of failing me, to be completely honest. Um, In what way? In fifth grade, there was a boy in my class who, it's relevant to the story, so I'll say he was black, um, he was mixed, his mom was white, and he was bullying me and spreading rumors about me. I mean, it was pretty crazy the things he was saying for a fifth grader. And it got to the point where my parents started interfering and trying to get with the administration, and every time they did, his father would say that my parents were racist. And the school's hands were tied. I mean, they didn't, they clearly didn't know what to do because I'm sure they were afraid of the reputation. And at the time, I was so young that I don't think I fully realized what was going on and why more actions weren't being taken. But I mean, it was a pretty horrible experience. And I think my parents just got so fed up with feeling like I was the only child in the class who actually wanted to learn and was there to learn and, you know, pay attention. And they ended up just switching me to. Catholic school. When you say you were the only person there to learn, is that because there were a lot of behavioral problems? Yeah, I mean, tons of behavioral issues. It was clear that the teachers were all so fed up. I mean, I remember so many times in fifth grade where the boy who was bullying me, he was clearly the main problem of the class in terms of disruptions. And I remember so many times the teacher saying, you know what, I'm done in the middle of a lesson and just stop. And just, just stopping the lesson. I mean, she would go sit at her desk and we would all just be sitting there because she would just get fed up. And actually, my fifth grade teacher ended up leaving the school once I, when I went to middle school, too. And, um, but it was just so many occurrences like that where my parents were kind of just like, what are you going to school for? I mean, what are you even doing there if there's just no point in it? And I think that them switching me to private Catholic school is one of the best decisions they've ever made. Did you have any trepidation at all? Because, of course, you come from this Jewish household and you're at least half ethnically Jewish, Um, did you have any trepidation at all about this? I mean, we've heard a lot about Catholic schools, of course, and we all know about the horrors of the sexual abuse scandals, and and in fact, the one in Portland drove our archdiocese into bankruptcy. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have any trepidation at all heading into Catholic school? You know, I, I was the only Jewish kid at the entire school. It was K through eight and but it was never a super religious, you know, religiously aggressive school. I mean, we had our weekly masses and I didn't find much trouble with it. I, I kind of liked learning about the other religions and I felt like the teachers were always super respectful. I think that they were them and the principal and even the priest were excited that I was there to have kind of a different perspective and I liked going to the masses every week. There were some issues in seventh and eighth grade with boys in my class just being idiots and, you know, beginning to make Holocaust jokes to me and, you know, kind of... Holocaust jokes. Yeah, and kind of singling me out as the Jewish kid. And that was a, that was a pretty big that's part. Horrific. Yeah, that was a pretty big part of my eighth grade experience. And I think that's actually, that experience has kind of shaped some of my views about cancel culture and has kind of given me a little bit more passion thinking about what happened there. Um, I think that definitely shaped some of my views for sure. But 
Well, talk about that. How do you think that relates to cancel culture? I mean, basically what happened is there's a couple boys in my class who I had been friends with for all of middle school. I mean, even one of the boys I had, like, a middle school relationship with for a while. I mean, I was friends with all of them in, in eighth, I think it was the beginning of eighth grade where they started just saying, you know, go back to the Holocaust or, you know, Jews should have, all Jews should have died in the Holocaust or just saying jokes like that. And, um, you know, at first it's like a middle school girl wants to impress guys and seem cool to them. So I was just kind of playing it off and laughing about it. But it started really affecting me. And I think I didn't realize the severity of it until my grandmother asked me if anything like that had ever happened. And when I told her, I mean, just she was horrified. I mean, the look on her face was, I don't think I'll ever forget it. And I started by telling the boys, you know, this is really affecting me. And if you don't stop, I'll go to the administration. I'm going to give you guys a chance to stop this. Like, I know that you're not anti-Semitic people, but your actions are. And I don't know if they just didn't believe me when I said that I would go to the administration or what, because they didn't stop. And I ended up going to the administration and, you know, the boys ended up I don't really know what trouble they got into. I'm sure they had very stern talkings to at home because it was obviously not anything that came from their background. You know, their parents obviously didn't hold these horrible beliefs, but they ended up writing my family, you know, handwritten letters of apology and, you know, really owning up to it. And I think one of them did service at the Oregon Holocaust Museum, things like that, where, and then we were able to kind of, I mean, actually when that kind of started ending was when COVID happened and we all went on lockdown. So it was actually kind of funny timing. But, you know, I think just looking back, I would never say that those boys are anti-Semitic people. And I feel like if that had happened at a time when cancel culture was so prevalent, I would have had the power to destroy these boys. I mean, social circles and to potentially destroy these boys like, high school athletic careers or whatever it is. So looking back on that, it's just I feel like you need to have some perspective about what they're intending to do and what their true beliefs are about those jokes. That's very mature of you to say. Thank you. It's like every week there's a news story from somewhere in the country about some girl doing something that was, you know, racist or some guy doing something that was sexist or whatever it is, and it's just – It's crazy to me that people feel like they have the responsibility and the power to destroy people's lives for one mistake or even five mistakes. You know, I don't, it's just, it's wild to me the power that people have right now with social media and just with society. It's crazy. Well, and if we're going to analyze rap music lyrics, I mean, that was a, genre of music that I grew up in and I went to a majority black junior high school so it was all we listened to and gosh I don't I hope I didn't sing along with that word but (laughs) thank god they didn't have phones back then because it'll just ruin you but uh, one thing I do remember is feeling although I, I, I enjoyed the music I still enjoy the music a lot um feeling some discomfort and a fair amount of cognitive dissonance about the misogyny and a yeah. lot of it, especially the really old stuff. I mean, it still exists in the new stuff, but it's 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 really present yeah. in the old stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I and we all sing along to all of it, and it, but it, that piece of it never seems to be an issue. Yeah. I mean, for example, my mom and I like 
We love Eminem, and my Agreed. mom's always love Eminem. He's awesome. I think he's a great guy, but some of his old songs, even my favorite songs, when you listen to the, the lyrics, it's insane. It's actually kind of become a joke between um, me and my mom because it's, you know, we've kind of said, like, no, it's a female empowerment song, you know, because of how that term's been taken over. But some that of his... Stan song? Which one? About... Cutting his oh ex, yeah what is yeah. it ex baby mama yeah. was ex did he ever marry her I don't remember I don't remember either his ex baby mama up and throwing her into his yeah. trunk of his car yeah or I remember there's so many songs about you know like strippers and sexualizing them and doing whatever they want with them and so many songs like that and people are totally unfazed um, or just another thing is that Ice Cube has in the past said some of the most like anti-Semitic comments. And no one ever seems to even think to mention that. I mean, I've never heard a teenager or someone who has power on social media ever talk about that. I mean, the only person I've ever heard talk about that is my mother, who's a Jewish woman. Well, that's interesting. And then is that something that occurred to you before your mom talked about it? No, absolutely not. I mean, I've never listened to Ice Cube very much, but my mom, like, she grew up with that, and she's always loved. To Ice Cube yeah, over here. yeah. She's always <laughs> loved his music, and I mean, I, she still listens to his music. She still plays it in the car sometimes. But it's just, I never knew that, and I don't think I ever would have known that. We actually, I'm, I'm going through what my daughter and I listen to on the way over here, and it's cracking me up because we listen to. I'm just get all. We listen to two Eminem songs. I'm just going through the history of what we listen to. I mean, it's a weird mix because we listen to Lizzo. So yeah. We're, like, we're bringing it into the female <laughs> Some female empowerment, empowerment stuff. Right? Yeah. And then we bring it on back to the other side with Ice Cube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's like totally what, that's what I've listened to with my mom. I mean, I remember in elementary school, like a song played on the radio that said the word ho in it. And I remember right. saying to my mom, like, what's that? And she totally was just like, just don't say that. Just, you know. But stuff like that, where it's just, you know, you don't think about that when you're listening to it. But I think that there's a lot of double standards for what um, offensive things people call out. I mean, because they're younger, a lot of the stuff we listen to is edited. Yeah. But it, like, for instance, the song that we listened to on the way here was You Can Do It, which is a classic. Yeah. But so it also funny. includes, the, you know, it always includes the N-word. Yeah. And so there always has to, it, unless it's edited... Um, or if they he happen to hear it unedited, there there has to be a, a long talk about how we don't we we don't say the n word, we don't mouth the n word. Right. But, but like you move on with the song, and it says, you know, sometimes we some people pimp hoes, other ends wine and dine them. Yeah. So. But there's no judgment there. Like yeah. you're, you, you could be pimping hoes, you could say the or exact you thing. could be whining and dining women. <laughs> yeah. But either way, I mean, and, and it's an older song. Um, you know what's interesting is I just heard uh, on the fifth column, which is one of my favorite podcasts, they were talking about the anti-Semitism of Kanye. Just, oh yeah. I mean, I don't. I I think he's extremely mentally ill, so I think it's kind of hard to ascribe. Yeah really anything genuine yeah. to him, um, partic particularly when it sounds so crazy yeah. like that. But but obviously it's 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 not okay. It's not acceptable. It's an issue. It's a huge issue. And his entire life is getting 
is, yeah. is over yeah. because of it. And and perhaps rightfully so. I mean, we can debate about whether that's um, rightfully so. I, I mean, I think most people would say yes. Um, but you know, this is an older song. And while they were, but while they were talking about Kanye, somebody mentioned that Ice Cube was an, had some kind of anti-Semitic yeah. past, and that during one of Kanye's long-form podcasts with somebody, he said something like, "I learned all this from I learned about all this from Ice Cube." Yeah. Did you know about that? Yeah, and it's I mean, Kanye West's manager just or one of his older managers just came out to some news source I don't remember which one saying that. When he was Kanye's manager, he remembers Kanye on repeated occasions praising the Nazis and Hitler, and he was just amazed by them, how they were able to get in power. And the manager actually said that when Kanye West came out with one of his older saying albums... he was amazed by how they could get power or, like, or praising them. Saying that it kind of seemed like a mix of both, just seeming, you know, that he was just amazed and it was kind of incredible that they were able to get that much power and how cool is it and the manager said that on one of his older albums that came out as ye that was what the album was called that kanye west brought up wanting to name it hitler and that his whole team was like okay we absolutely cannot do that and so but and i i do think that kanye west is incredibly mentally ill the part that scares me is just sick he's really sick and the part that scares me is just how many people idolize him and are going to hear that and think, well, if Kanye thinks that, then it must be true, you know? I think the good news is that Ice Cube has agreed to support condemning anti-Semitism. Yeah. And his basically seems to have abandoned that. Although some of the stuff that he's done was bizarrely, it seems like it was bizarrely recent. (laughs) Um, Like, for instance... You know, this is from Billboard magazine, and it's from June 2020. And the headline is, Ice Cube criticized for posting string of anti-Semitic images and conspiracy theories. It says he confoundingly posted images that appeared to amplify anti-Semitic tropes, tying Jews to the oppression of black people, also appeared to nod to debunked conspiracy theories about the noses of Egypt's sphinxes that first surfaced as attempts to manipulate black voters in the 2016 election. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's absolutely insane, and these people are clearly just so brainwashed into thinking that that could even remotely be true, but it's really scary that some of these people have such power. It says there, there, he also posted an image of black cubes, including one suspended inside a five-pointed Jewish star, which are sometimes referred to as the black cube of Saturn. The occult image inside the star heavily implies that the Jewish people are stoking the flames of division, while the cube has been tied to claims that the Jewish people were behind the 9-11 terror attacks and COVID-19. Yeah. Ice Cube, 50 years old. God, I can't believe he's 50. 50 had not returned Billboard's request for comment at press time. In response to someone leveling a charge of anti-Semitism against him, he wrote, what if I was just pro-black? This is the truth. I didn't lie on anyone. I didn't say I was anti-anybody. Don't believe the hype. I'm telling my truth. I mean, that that's certainly not a condemnation right. of anti-Semitism, and yeah. it's not a mea culpa. So you're at, you, see, you seem to like middle school. Then you go, so you continue your Catholic school education at St. Mary's. Yeah. And, and then was it at St. Mary's where you realized that you're not... 
uh, that you don't identify as heterosexual? Um, I think that my, you know, eighth grade and kind of freshman year was when I started kind of questioning things. And then it was actually the summer before the year that I started at St. Mary's. So the summer before my sophomore year when I told my parents that, um, that I liked girls too. And so it actually wasn't at St. Mary's where that happened, although it's kind of a funny just coincidence that I ended up going to all girls school like immediately after that happened. But yeah, I think that um, it's kind of a funny stereotype among Portland teenagers that St. Mary's is where like all the gay girls it are. Um, yeah, and it's I can confirm yeah, that. I think it's really funny. But um, yeah, Do so you think that stereotype has a any kind of sprinkling of truth to it. Oh, totally. I think it totally <laughs> does. And I don't know, I don't know if it's like because girls come to St. Mary's because they're gay and want to be surrounded by girls, or if it's just that they're surrounded by girls, which makes them realize that they like girls too. I don't know what the reason is, but I mean, there have been very few people that I've come across at St. Mary's who like strictly identify as heterosexual. Um, so, yeah. So you would say that actually in your experience, the majority of the student population is made up of people who do not, who do not identify as heterosexual. Yeah, totally, 100%. At this Catholic school, which At is At this so Catholic school. And, I mean, I feel like people... Isn't that crazy, though? It's crazy. And, I mean, I feel like people forget who go to my school how privileged we are to get to go to a Catholic school that's so progressive. I mean, we have queer student union. People listening internationally and from other parts of the country right now are thinking there's no way in hell... I, they're thinking, I went to Catholic school. I know what it was like. Yeah. These people are bigots. They're anti-gay. They're, they want nothing to do with homosexuals. They treat, the, they treat homosexuals like garbage. And you're trying to tell me that there is an all-girls Catholic school where the majority of the student population is gay. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm one of like the biggest defenders of Catholicism and of, I mean, you know, Christian people in general, even though I'm Jewish, because I think that we've gone to a point where people feel so comfortable just labeling all Christians as homophobic or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, rightfully so, because many are, but also at the same time, they're, like, I feel like that's a pretty fringe group of people that are against gay marriage well, in or, Portland, certainly. yeah, I mean, people truly do come from everywhere, and it's evident why, because St. Mary's is an amazing place, but yeah, it's, I think, it's a really, really, really progressive um, place. And also for Jewish kids, I mean, we have Jewish student union because we have a huge Jewish population there. I yeah, mean. see, this is blowing the minds of all sorts of people yeah. who do not live in Portland. Oh, I'm or sure. who do not live in Oregon. Just, like, thinking, like, the Catholic, that is not the Catholicism I know. Yeah. And I am completely acknowledging that. And everybody needs to understand that everything in Portland is not fill-in-the-blank what you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that includes religions. Yeah, and I mean, there was... At, like Catholicism. When I was working this past summer, there was... Um, I was working at a cafe that was, like, connected to a spa place, and one of the women who worked at the front desk of the spa, she came up to me when my friends came to visit me a couple days prior to get smoothies or something, and she came up to me and said, you know, my daughter's... My, her in-laws were very Catholic, and they said that they would pay for her daughter's, all of her schooling and her college as long as she went to Catholic 
school, and the woman said, you know, I was very hesitant about it because I'm hesitant about a lot of Catholic teachings, but seeing you and your friends, I thought to myself, well, if my daughter grows up with, you know, those manners and to act like that, then she'll be fine. And it's just, I really would urge people to think about the whole school, not just the Christian aspect, because I don't even think of St. Mary's as like this Christian place. I mean, I've never felt uncomfortable there as a Jewish person. That we have Jewish staff, our librarian is Jewish, our ceramics teacher is Jewish. So, I mean, yeah, it it really is very, very progressive. It's an ecumenical place, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Right, but, and I and I want to acknowledge everybody out there who's listening to this uh, in disbelief. I want to acknowledge that that piece of it and that reality that probably in most of the country that is not their reality at most Catholic schools throughout the country and. And I absolutely acknowledge that. Yeah. I just, it's, a, it's another interesting piece of Portland. And frankly, it's one of the few things that we're good at. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is inclusivity. I know. That's one, that's one. And then it's like, sometimes it's like, are we going a little overboard with it? But yeah, that for sure is something that I'm very grateful for. I think that's a big deal. I, I wonder, I wonder if. I wonder if anybody at St. Mary's has seen... Do, do you know if anybody at St. Mary's has seen that Wall Street Journal article? Oh, it's it's everyone at St. Mary's has seen it. I mean, the reason that I think it kind of got out to students was because one of the theology teachers at St. Mary's told her class about it and shared it with her class, and then it got sent around our entire school. I mean, I was not in that theology class, but I got sent it, and then very quickly my grandparents' friends knew about it, like... I think it was spread around the community pretty quickly because it was such a big deal. Um, and then I thought that it was pretty badass because when the article came out, it was right before our student fundraiser where all the students are in charge of raising money and getting donors to raise money for money that goes to scholarships and our programs. And we raised $115,000 right after this article came out, which I thought was pretty you know, incredible. But what was the school's reaction? I will get. I guess we should before before we answer that question. Let's talk about this article. So it's yeah. an opinion piece. Yep. So it's an opinion piece of a father whose daughter graduated from St. Mary's last year. Who I never knew her very well, but she was one of the leaders of the. I don't know what the name is, but Asian American union or whatever it was because um, her mother is Asian and she was known as I mean a pretty liberal person I mean you know she I think so so she was known as a pretty liberal person um, and yeah she graduated last year and her father wrote this opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal basically just saying that St. Mary's had kind of straight away from what the Catholic school teaching you know what's should crazy? be. As you're talking and I'm reading the article and I'm reading the name of the person who wrote the article, I think this family went to my church that was closed for Oh two my years. God. But my church is woke A F. Yeah. A F A F A F. And this is written by somebody that I don't really I mean, in reading it, it's very strident and I don't align with a lot of the tone and yeah. I don't align with some of the things that are said 
so it's amazing to me that their family was able to yeah um put put whatever's coming out in this letter aside and attend the church that I attended because in some ways I mean it's different when it's your kid and it's your school For sure. and and, may, and maybe that's part of it but in some ways I would argue that my church is more woke yeah. than St. Mary's. And I think that he definitely... This, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complaint about wokeness. That's what yeah. this, this letter is. Yeah, and I think that he intentionally... It might even say in there that he intentionally waited to write this article until his daughter had graduated. Well, which is smart. Which, yeah, I, I, yeah, I respect that. Um, and, I mean, I'm sure his daughter is, like, totally rebelling now against... But I was, you know, as I started reading the letter, at first I was kind of like, okay, like... I don't agree with it, but I can kind of see where he's coming from and whatever. But then when it started getting into, you know, that our school teaches us about climate change hysteria, that's one of the direct quotes in there. And, you know, that we should be recognized as housemakers and mothers. And, you know, it says at one point. We should, we should, re- we should read part of it. Yeah. At least part of it. So, so this, it's from the Wall Street Journal. It's an opinion piece. It, they put it under commentary. And it was written by Bruce Gilley on October 10th, 2022. And it says, I'm blessed to be the father of a beautiful young woman who just began university after graduating from St. Mary's Academy and All Girls Catholic School in Portland, Oregon. I've always been surrounded by strong and faithful women, my mother, my two elder sisters, my many, my, my mother, my two elder sisters, my many nieces, and of course my wife. In addition to rearing children, they have followed many vocations, some as doctors, engineers, attorneys, investors, and the like. But reflecting on the state of my daughter's high school, I'm concerned that girls today are being offered radically limited ideas of how to live a meaningful life. We are Episcopalian, and that's when it occurred to me that I (laughs) believed that they were probably from my church. And we're grateful to have our daughter educated in a faith community that emphasized God's presence in all places and striving for the good in every endeavor. Having a Catholic girls' school in ultra-liberal Portland is a challenge. I mean, stopping there for a minute maybe this isn't the right family that i'm thinking of but it's a, gilly is a unique name and when i hear ultra liberal liberal portland it's just amazing to me because the church that i went to typifies ultra liberal yeah portland. and i don't i don't know how he, maybe he didn't attend yeah i mean that's possible a lot of dads for whatever reason <laughs> they just don't attend yeah um and and that's what's going on in my catholicism classes i'm there on tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. Who is not with me? The kids who wanted this thing, apparently the, the entire burden is on me to, yeah. to engage in this, and him. And, and then I come home at 9.30. I mean, you know, usually we try to shut, shut that place down at around 7 because they, they're dyslexic and they got to be at their tutors at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's... It's just kind of um, maybe he didn't attend, yeah. and, and so maybe he just identifies as Episcopalian. Yeah. But I mean, the idea that a Portland Episcopalian is is outraged by the woke is hilarious yeah. to me. And um, I mean, he's not even just outraged by the. I mean, or, or that a Portlander. Yeah. I mean, it's. Why do you live in the city? Yeah. I mean, how how are you making it? Yeah. How do you get up every day? And he's a he's a PSU professor. 
Um, wow. And he, I mean, he obviously is an educated guy. Peter Bogosian left because yep. he decided it was too woke. Yeah, love him, by the way. But he he went to Oxford, um, and then I don't remember where he studied after that, maybe Stanford or something. So he's clearly an educated guy, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he has an incredible pedigree. Yeah, for sure. But, the, I mean, th- this ain't, the Episcopal Church of Portland, Oregon, ain't, the UK Anglicans at all yeah. in any way. Yeah. And, and that as an Episcopalian that had to and as a Portlander that had to have occurred to him. And it's just interesting to me that he's just really outraged by St. Mary's. And I he may or may not have attended my parish, but really I can't think of an Episcopal parish in the city of Portland. And there might be one. And reach out to me if there is that is not woke AF. And that's frankly prior to what I feel as, and this is just me, but what I feel as the Democratic Party and Portland in general completely going off the rails, that's part of why we selected it because, quote unquote, all are welcome. And we believe very strongly in that. Yeah. And and then it's, and then it, when the doors are closed for what I would say uh, some nutty reasons, um, because at that point, Many were open and not looking around. People were not dropping dead. We had vaccines. People were not dropping dead because they were going to church or school. Yeah. But everything here continued to be shut down. And in fact, we had the privilege of an outdoor mask mandate. Yeah. If you want to know how ideological this place is and how those, what those we believe in science signs in the yard really mean here. Yeah. They mean the opposite. Yeah. They, they actually really mean we don't listen to science and we don't give a shit about it because if, it, if any of it lines up with President Trump, we're going to do the opposite. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when COVID was, you know, just kind of starting out in 2020 and we were all in isolation. I remember, I mean, everyone's mental health was just deteriorating and, you know, getting straight. And I remember eventually my parents ended up letting me see at the time my best friend and you know, we went to a park and then went, and I'm sure that was seen as like absolutely insane that we oh, were allowed to see each it. other. I got shame for it at next, and, next door. And my parents are just like, our daughter is literally going insane. I mean, she is so, I was so depressed. So are you saying they got shit for letting you do Oh that? yeah, I'm sure they did. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they told anyone. I'm sure they would have gotten, and teenagers also. I mean, it was everyone like, stay home if you don't, you know, yourself, and of course, I believed in, you know, wearing masks, and I believed I got the vaccine, all that Look, stuff. Look, at the and time we all did. Yeah, and, you know, it's, I followed the rules. My family followed the rules. I mean, actually, my mom. We all followed the rules. I remember when COVID was kind of just starting getting the news. I remember my mom, I was, like, embarrassed by her because at the <laughs> store, she was, like, the only one who made us wear, like, plastic gloves, like, walking around Trader Joe's. And I remember being, like, humiliated by that and being, like, you're crazy. Like, no one else is doing this. So my mom was actually one of the first ones who was, like, strict about this. And then, you know, it started spiraling. But back to the article, I think that um, it's also surprising to me that his daughter attended St. Mary's in the first place because I don't think St. Mary's... I don't think St. Mary's is hiding their mission by any... um, by anything. I mean, I think they're very open. What do you mean by their mission? Talk about that. 
I think that they're, you know, challenging and inspiring young girls to go into fields that potentially women have not been welcomed in. And, you know, we have some of the best STEM programs in the state. We have mock trial team. We're the only all-girls mock trial team in the state. Um, You know, these things, we have robotics team, you know, all these different things that, and I think that they are very honest about the fact that our, I mean, kind of our school's biggest point is to empower young women and educate them and prepare them for life and, you know, be not afraid to challenge them to go against what the typical standards have been. So, and I think that's something that my parents and I were always aware of when I transferred. So I assume that his family was aware of it. I don't know if he didn't want her to go and that she just really wanted to go. So he said, okay, fine. I don't know what that was, but it's interesting for sure that they chose St. Mary's. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why you would pick that if, you, if you're coming from this, the tenor of this letter, why, why you would choose to send your kid there. But it, anyway, um, he goes on. So he, he says that we, you know, we identify as Episcopalian. We like the fact that it was religious. We liked that. It sounds like he thought that St. Mary's was some kind of sanctuary from ultra-liberal Yeah, women. that's what I'm kind of, I don't know if he was confused. I don't know if he was expecting oh that St. Mary's was kind of training us to be like their traditional female role or what. But it just, it sounds like he was very confused as to what. St. Mary's is actually going to do. So that's kind of what I gathered from it. Yes. And I wonder how long this letter has been percolating in this man's brain. Because yeah. it must have, week one yeah. at this school must have been a yeah. real shock. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I remember... Um, when I came to St. Because St. Mary's went back to school, obviously, before the public schools did, and they were pretty on top of Oh, they did, because of the Catholic school. Yeah. yeah. So they went, they were yeah, they fully, were open. yeah. They Everything were, else was closed. Exactly. And that was another thing that kind of inspired this change to St. Mary's, is my parents were like, we don't even know if PPS is going to be fully oh, open next oh, year. Oh, no. There and we're no, not. Thanks to people like Renee Gonzalez, it was. But yeah. But you know what? Without him, yeah. No. Yeah, I remember going to St. Mary's, and, I mean, it was just... Going to St. Mary's, I think, was, like, the best decision that so far in my life has been made. Um, wow. Well, that's saying a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, my mom always wanted me really badly to go to St. Mary's in middle school. She kind of was pressuring me a lot, but my parents were always saying, it's ultimately up to you. And I was just so tired of being in a tiny private Catholic school that I was like, no, I'm going to go experience public school, whatever. But obviously, it didn't turn out the way that I was expecting, and, you know, things happen, but... So he's blaming this on the students, families. He's, so he says, many students come from radical left-wing families with avowedly anti-Catholic views who forced the school to compromise on the ideal of a non-political education. Well, first of all, I don't know how you have a non-political education, especially yeah. in high school. Yeah. Especially, I mean, if he has such strong political views, it seems like he would want young kids to be educated on politics. And But, I mean, politics are at every high school. I don't think you can completely stride away from political conversations. So, 
Is, isn't that something that we have to educate our high schoolers about for purposes of just being civic-minded yeah. individuals? I mean, I'm in, we, I think at all, even the public high schools, you know, government is a required course that you have to take. So I'm in AP government right now, AP U.S. government, where we're learning about That's the history. Class. and then Are you going to take yeah. the AP test? Yeah, I'm taking, I'll be taking two AP tests in May. I'm surprised you're only taking two. I'm, I'm, I'm in. You're, you'll take more as you proceed. I'm in a PSU, speaking of PSU, I'm in a PSU like challenge course also, but that luckily we don't have an AP and then exam you get for, that. Cutter for that. Yeah. Okay, so then you don't need to worry about any, actually, that's preferable because then you don't have to worry about an AP test at the end. Exactly. So I'm, yeah, I just have two AP tests that'll be in May, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's so important for young people to be, no matter what your opinions are, just to be educated on what the political system looks like. And I think it's poorly worded. I think what he actually meant was a non-ideological yeah, education. I think so, but too. But I, I actually don't, I don't think you can get that in Portland. No, I don't, I don't think you could I, get that. At, I, I think, think if that's what you want, you need to self-select. I think that every high school in Portland is going to be left-leaning. I mean, among the student population. I can't think of a single high school where majority of the student population, family population, would be I can't either. right-leaning. I don't, I I don't think that that exists in Portland. Or even neutral. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think if you're going to send your kid to any high school within city limits... You have to understand, I, I can't, I mean, let me know if you think of one yeah. that doesn't fall in this category. But you have to understand it will be ideological. And I think that St. Mary's has done as good of a job as any high school can do is, you know, stating that anyone can hold, you know, the beliefs that they want and, you know, we're not going to pressure you into a certain well, set. And that's a good point. I, I think a lot of people right now are listening thinking, oh, so... If I, what would happen if I raised my hand? What? If I'm 17, 18. If I'm a senior and I'm 18 and I come to school next week and I let everybody know I voted for Christine Grayson, what would be the ultimate outcome of that? Oh, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I think among students, even at St. Mary's, it would be, you would be totally canceled. It's social suicide. I mean, in, all of my classes, people have been talking about the governor race going on, and clearly these people just have no idea what's actually going on because all of them are saying, you know, Christine Drazen is going to ban abortion, which I won't go too far into that because I know that on we your previous that. podcast it's been covered. <laughs> so all your listeners obviously know the truth. But and if you have any questions about that, listen to our, our ballot election episode. Yeah. And, um, I mean, obviously no one knows it, but – my best friend and I were the only ones, it seems like, who our parents hold the same political beliefs and we hold the exact same political beliefs. And What would you say your political beliefs are? I think I'm pretty center, honestly. Really? I mean, last night I was in a debate. I don't even remember what my mom and I were talking about. We were disagreeing about something and actually my belief was more right <laughs> than hers was about the conversation <laughs> at hand. And she was saying, like, I think you might be more right-leaning than I am, but, I mean, obviously, I have time to figure it out, but, I mean, I feel like my beliefs are pretty, like, liberal and progressive, but I anywhere think that... Anywhere else in the country. Ev- anywhere else anywhere in the country. Else in the country. I would be... San Francisco or Seattle. Yeah, I think I would be known as, like, a solid Democrat, but I think in Portland, I'm, well, like... Well, a lot of places you would be known as a, as a left-wing nut job. Oh, yeah, totally, but I think that in Portland, like, with the beliefs that I have, if any... And same with my closest friend, if anyone heard 
our beliefs, um, we would be categorized probably as Republicans, honestly, which is just insanity to me. Um, right. Not that there's anything wrong with being a Republican, but it's the connotation that they have. The, they don't mean it in like a nice, respectful way. So he continues on and he says, like all Catholic schools, St. Mary's was pressured during the past decade to get woke with equity teams, affinity groups, Black Lives, Ma- Black Lives Matter movements, Native American land acknowledgments, transgender affirmations, climate change hysteria, and all the rest. There's your climate change hysteria reference. I found myself counting the days until my daughter was out. I mean, that man must have started from day one. Though. Yeah. That's a long That's a long time to count your days. I can't imagine what the conversations were like at their house after <laughs> after school every day. I mean, I don't, I wonder For if he three was. Three years? It yeah. Is, it's, it's incredibly puzzling to me why she stayed. Yeah, I mean. If he's she, this outraged, do you think she'd be gone after a couple weeks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where she, again, I don't know where she'd go. I mean, I think, I don't, I. I feel like at that point, you should move. I mean, if you truly, like. (laughs) That's right. If, like, then move to a different city. Yeah, like, maybe West, West Lynn. How far to drive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely somewhere, I mean, somewhere not in the center of Portland, that's for sure. So then he says, well, okay, I have some questions about this. So first, affinity groups, I go, of course there are affinity groups. Like, they're... There's nothing wrong to me with an all-something space. Yeah. Like, we had a black students' union, and I'm a million years old. So yeah. there's I don't think there's anything wrong. Just like there's nothing wrong with an all-women's space, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with an all-any-race any space. And that's not there's even— a Jewish student yeah, union. Yeah, that's one thing that's not specific to Portland. I mean, at no. every high school, I have I friends— kind of— a lot. Yeah, I have friends all across the country from BBYO, you know, who live in suburbs in Virginia and places like is that. A Jewish. Jewish youth organization. Yeah, I mean, one of my closest friends from BBYO, she lives in a suburb of DC that is pretty, I mean, it's a little bit, again, yeah, moderately Republican place. I mean, I think her family is more on the Republican side and they have affinity groups at her high school. I mean, that's not. Something that's specific to Portland. That's a little weird to me yeah. um, to, to take issue with affinity groups. Well, her daughter, his daughter was the leader of Asian Pacific and Island or whatever it was. Oh, really? Yeah, the she man was. who wrote this letter, his daughter was actually the leader of one of these affinity groups. Yeah. Which, again, for the record, I think is nothing wrong with that. And in fact, I think it's good and beneficial for anybody who's interested in that because then they're surrounded by other people that they have something in common with and they have some it's just like anything else it's why you go to church it's why you surround yourself with people who feel the same way you do or if you are a racial minority look the same way you do you get a sense of comfort out of it you get to share experiences with people who will understand where you're coming from in a way that people who don't wouldn't yeah it's. It, I don't think it's rocket science, but I. It's a. I think that's a strange criticism of the school. He says, pressured to get woke with Black Lives Matter movements. I mean, does he? Does that mean that he thinks? Do you think now? I you know I don't want to psychoanalyze this guy, but do you think by that he means participate in the Floyd protests? 
I mean, I was a little bit confused about that part when I read it because I kind of thought to myself, no, so that's why I was, I kind of thought to myself, like, I don't really ever remember a time where we were talking about Black Lives Matter at St. Mary's from, I mean, students might talk about it among themselves, but. Did you feel pressured by the St. Mary's culture to go to a George Floyd protest? No, and I mean, keep in mind, I wasn't even at St. Mary's when I attended this protest. Um, So, no, and I don't think that. Yeah, I can't think of a time where that's been, like, a Black Lives Matter has been, like, a big topic of conversation at our school. So I'm not, maybe his daughter had an experience with that, or I'm not sure, but. Uh, he criticizes Native American land acknowledgments. Have you heard? I mean, so that is, of? that is one thing that, I mean, my parents are kind of like, okay, we're getting a little bit. I mean, at, we have a morning prayer that goes on the overhead speaker every morning, and they do a land acknowledgment every morning. Are you serious? Of every morning on the That's a lot. Morning. Yeah, it's a lot. And so that is one thing where I'm like, okay, that I can understand where I don't think that that's like a crazy fringe belief. I think that's held by a lot of people. I think it's a crazy fringe belief that is held by a lot of people in Portland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that the belief in it is crazy fringe. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not, I mean, I, I think to your point, the idea that he would be blown away by a land, by a, a Portland high school doing a land acknowledgement, if I were reading this, I would think you must not, you must not live here. Yeah. Or you must not have lived here long. Or you must have moved here from a non-bright blue city. Yeah. Because this is going on in every bright blue city. Yeah. I think I think those are those land acknowledgments are nutty just because I don't think they move the needle at right. all. Right. I don't think Native they Americans. do anything. Yeah. They're always issued by white people. And if you want to do something for the Native Americans that badly, you go to where they are and you ask them what, if anything, they need and, and let them tell you yeah. what it is. Or you give the goddamn land back. Yeah. I don't see any of these people yeah. involved in any kind of movement to give up that land. Yeah. No, of course not. Because it's the, it's the easiest thing for white people to feel good about themselves. Fact, it's the I easiest think it's way. Disgusting. Yeah. I just think, and, and half of them don't even understand what a absolute shaft Native Americans have received from our country yeah and 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 the way we've treated them and the way that they they're never in fact Native Americans are never we never talk about what we did to them and it's not front and center what's front and center is the land acknowledgement yeah not anything that that led up to the reason that anybody would even do a land acknowledgement. That's never discussed. Yeah. It's bizarre to me. It's so bizarre. And the fact that they, they're still on fucking reservations. Yeah. Like, we still have those today. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. And, and how poorly Native Americans tend to continue to do in life. I know. It's never discussed. And I mean, I w- we just had an event um, a couple weeks ago that's a yearly event that hadn't happened in a couple years because of COVID, but where a bunch of the past alum alumni, is that the plural, they come back and, um, you know, we do a prayer service with them and one of them gives a big speech, they give a big donation, it's this just super nice thing and before they started the mass they did a land acknowledgement, I was just thinking to myself, I mean, it was women, it was their 50 year um, anniversary of graduating, I was just thinking to myself like, what these women must be thinking right now. I mean, it's crazy. They must be thinking, what has my school become? Right, because the the land acknowledgement does nothing to move the needle 
on anything. It's it's a virtue signal. Yeah. It's a way to make everybody feel good about what we've done to these people. Not we in particular, but what this country did to Native Native Americans and when when it was settled and and how how they the, in fact in the ways that they continue to suffer that we never speak of that that's what drives me nuts transgender affirmations what's he talking about there i honestly am unsure what he's talking about there um i is, i really don't know send out emails or something about how they they're no i haven't i have people. not heard any transgender affirmations um yeah, as so I don't as I think the archdiocese is in the city of Portland, a transgender affirmation I just don't don't see coming yeah. out of any official archdiocese. And St. Mary's St. Mary's is funded by you know Holy Names and Sister Mary, so we're not funded by the archdiocese. Technically, oh it's different it. than that, but it's the same. It's the same thing. Which is an order of nuns. It's an order of nuns, and so St. Mary's knows that. But the order of nuns is under the diocese. Exactly, yeah. And so, operates underneath that. I mean, there is a hierarchy. Yeah, so St. Mary's knows that we can't, they can't talk to us about whatever because we are receiving funding from somewhere. Um, and it's obviously has Christian beliefs and, you know, whatever. So they can't say whatever they want here's to a, us. Here's a question. If you're a girl, what, what does all-girls school mean? It, can, can, can someone with... What does that mean? I mean... I was just thinking, can somebody with a penis apply? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you brought this up because this is something that I feel very strongly about. So I don't know... I haven't seen anyone at St. Mary's that appears to be clearly transgender. I mean, transitioning into a woman. Um, So I haven't seen anyone that appears as if, you know, they have a penis but just identifies a girl. I haven't seen that. But it has now become a big thing. I think in, honestly, just the past two years probably where certain students will use they them pronouns and I want to make it very clear that of course I respect people who use they them pronouns but then they have started complaining that the administration or that teachers at St. Mary's or even peers at St. Mary's are not respecting their pronouns and are misgendering them by using she her pronouns or referring to a class as okay girls come on or okay ladies come on referring to us like that and why why did they go to an all-girls school and i feel like i think that's kind of an all-girls yeah and i think it's kind of ironic because i feel like it's always the woke people that are always saying like check your privilege and then you know i'll kind of get a little bit annoyed but this is one instance where i'm saying examine the privilege you have you attend one of the best private schools in Oregon. It is weird to <laughs> It's very weird to hear people, anybody from a hoity-toity yeah. private school complain about how they're suffering. I mean, it's, in, it's insane. Not to mention that, I mean, obviously Portland's a very white place, so obviously most of these girls are white that are complaining. But it's just like, if you do not fully align as a girl, then why are you here? So then that's where I kind of start to think to myself, like, I don't really believe this coming from these certain people because if they truly feel, I mean, there's even a couple of people who use he, him pronouns. And Are you serious? Yeah. And there, So there are girls transitioning to boys at the same Yes. 
I mean, few, and, very few, but there are. So it's not an all-girls school, technically. So appar- apparently not. I mean, in our school administration. So really what they mean is all-girls, really what they might mean, we don't know, I guess, is potentially an all-girls via genitalia school. I mean, I think that St. Mary's, the administration, still completely tr- recognizes St. Mary's as a strictly all-girl school. Okay, how do they, okay, what is their position on transitioning students? I have no idea. I honestly don't. Well, it must be fine. The only thing I know is that um, last year, I think probably three months, probably in March or something, um, a student, I don't know which student, but a student's parents sent an email to our principal, a pretty angry email saying that, you know, their child was not being, I don't know what pronouns their child used, but that their child was not being respected as so-and-so gender and, you know, that they needed to do better. And our principal sent an email back very blatantly saying, we are an all-girls institution. Good for them. I would recommend that if your child does not feel recognized as whatever gender, that you look into Jesuit or Central Catholic or Valley Catholic. Did that person leave? I have no idea who the person was. So I, I really don't know. How did you know about the letter? I think the person, well, I only saw the screenshot of the email response from the principal because I'm sure a couple students were, like, outraged by our principal's response so then started sending it around. Um, I wish I had it somewhere. I don't even remember. I, I just think this is, this is peak Portland. This, this, is, this is the reason that people who live in Portland are doing things like voting for Christine Grayson. Yeah. I, I'm... Looking at their website right now, stmarysbdx.org, the idea that any of these people were bamboozled into going into a school where they're going to be treated like a girl and called a girl, that, that they were tricked into this or had any kind of different expectation is ridiculous because these all of these people know how to use the Internet. Yeah. And stmarysbdx.org, it's front and center. The first thing... In the, in, in the biggest, boldest font, the first thing you see says, all girls makes all the difference. That's what it says. Yep. It doesn't say all people. The ACLU hasn't been screwing around with St. Mary's homepage. Yep. It, it doesn't say, it doesn't say all, 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 all kids. All high schoolers, all there, there's nothing non-binary in here. This is nothing but binary language. In fact, it says St. Mary's has always been a place that nurtures extraordinary women leaders. And then it goes on. I mean, I'm just looking at the darned homepage. Yeah. Then it goes on to list a exhaustive amount of s- studies and data about quote-unquote, girls' school graduates. Girls, 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 girls. That's all this is. Yeah. And, of course, as you scroll down, there is a facocta crazy land acknowledgement. <laughs> the land acknowledgement is towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. What's at the top, I mean, it, that is not at the top. Now, I can see if you went to the webpage and they started right out of the gates with a huge land acknowledgement, and this is a pretty big one, um, if they started right out of the gates with that, I can see you feeling like you'd been a little, a little mm-hmm. bamboozled into sending your kid there. But the idea that you would send your kid there and not be aware that you're sending your child to an all-girls school 
is really mind-blowing to me. And frankly, if I were in the administration of that school, or if I were part of the order that supports the school financially, I would be very offended and upset yeah. by that. That is the entire mission. I mean, And the yeah. reason it's the mission is because of all this data that they've got that's front and center on their homepage yeah. about how uh, girls who go to all-girls high schools, they think they do better. They say uh, girls' school graduates are six times more likely to consider majoring in math, science, and technology compared to girls, again, again with binary language, who attend co-educational academies. And they say they tend to participate more in athletics. Um, it says, since 1859, a group of passionate sisters, i.e. nuns, i.e. Women. women, founded a school for women when none like it existed. I think I would, if, if, if I were some of the women from these, the, what, 50-year graduating class, yeah. I would be offended oh, at the idea. Oh, I would be idea. totally offended that anybody is outraged by being referred to as a girl, called a girl at a, at this at this school, at this all girls school. I mean, the reason that I attend St. Mary's and not Jesuit or Central Catholic or Valley Catholic is because it is all girls. Like that is the common denominator between these other schools is that they have boys there. Um so it just it's it's crazy to me that it's become so I'm just I'm, I've chosen to just kind of ignore it now because for my own sanity yeah it's all about how they empower women they're putting women in places of leadership it, yes 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 the land acknowledgement and the DEI statement are on there but you got to go pretty far down the page to get there and so I mean obviously there's a lot going on here because there's this letter which it seems I mean a lot of the what this person is that Bruce Gilly wrote this is expressing outrage at is seems strange to me that that he wouldn't see any of this coming and then what also seems strange to me is the idea that you wouldn't see coming being referred to as a girl or with he she her pronouns yeah okay here's a question do do the teachers recognize these children's pronouns or, or do you find that they mostly recognize these children's they, them, he, him pronouns. I think so because in a lot of my classes on the first day of school, when we all introduce ourselves, teachers say pronouns if you feel comfortable. Okay, okay. The idea, you now let's just, again, with this parent's outrage that her child's being misgendered, I think that's a big, a big give to that sector of the population. The idea that you would be at an all-girls school and that the teacher would begin the, a first day of class with, what are your pronouns? Yeah. I think you should be satisfied with that right there and go go home with your trophy. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, I, that's how, that would be outrageous to a lot of parents. Now, if, if Bruce had pulled his child within, you know, the first, even if he let her finish out the year or whatever, but if he had pulled her and written, written a letter of outrage emphasizing things like that like look when I started at this all-girls school I didn't expect we'd start the day with a pronoun uh, circle that I get yeah. I mean I I look at that homepage and I go I I don't expect my child to to have to identify pronouns <laughs> yeah. if I'm going to send them to an all-girls school I feel like it's understood that everyone attending there is a girl 
I feel like that's, like, that should be what everyone... I feel like if there's any confusion about anything, that should not be one of the things to be confused about. Um, But then, on the other hand, I also go, okay, it's Portland, and if I send my kid to St. Mary's, and they come home within that first week, and they're like, we're starting... Well, we started the first week off by saying and repeating, probably because people forget, because... It's an all-girls school, so you would tend to default to she, her. Yeah. It wouldn't be totally crazy, seems to do that. Um, to avoid misgendering, we spent the entire week introducing ourselves with pronouns. I mean, I can I can see, you know, a parent being, thinking, well, geez, you know, I say this all-girls Catholic school, and I, I think this is a little bizarre, and so yeah. maybe we need to find somewhere else to go. But I would say in response to that, too, I don't know where you're going to go where yeah. they don't do that. Can you think of a single high school in Portland where they wouldn't start out the day with, with pronouns or start, start out the first day of school with some pronouns? I can't think of no. one. And honestly, I think that... I can't think of a single one within city limits. No. And I think that... Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I feel like because it's just something that in high school, like from the start of my high school, that was just what happened. Like the pronoun thing was kind of getting big when I was going into high school. So I feel like that's just always been what I've been accustomed to. So I feel like I haven't really taken time to like even think about it before saying like, hi, I'm Georgia, I use she, her pronouns. Um, I know my kids are used to that too. Yeah. Actually, what my kids have, my kids have taken a, page from one of my friend's husbands and now they say you can call me whatever pronouns you feel comfortable with to kind of which he came up with to kind of expose how silly and ridiculous yeah. the whole exercise really is because if you're not presenting a lot something of, then a lot and a lot of people like are genuinely saying all pronouns that they use all pronouns which it's like okay I mean if someone used for me if someone used like, ever used they, them pronouns or he, him pronouns for me, I would be deeply offended and upset. Or if someone was confused, I think you said the same thing when you are talking to Beverly. If someone was confused as to what gender I was, I would be so upset because I am a girl. I am a woman. There's never been any confusion about that. Well, you And you clearly work hard to present yourself that way, which yeah. would make you unique in the city of Portland. Yeah. Most girls and women do not. Um, yeah. It's clear that they are women and girls, but they don't work on appearing particularly feminine in any kind of way. And, and clearly you do, and so that would be upsetting to you. And when, in the episode with my trans friend Beverly, which it sounds like you heard, yes, she and I had that discussion, and she and I were, I mean, I'm practically having a cardiac event just thinking about it. She and I were horrified by the idea that anybody would call either of us and this is a trans woman she and I were horrified by the idea that any of us would call would call either of us he him or they them I mean it 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 almost sent us both up the ceiling yeah um because you know as I told her if anybody did that that I mean my first visit would be to the therapist's office and my second visit would be to the plastic surgeon yeah there's something wrong here that needs to be corrected and I'll pay whatever amount of money it is and I mean kind of on this topic I do also want to talk about this whole as Beverly calls it trans trending thing because that's such a big thing among teenagers now and parents are encouraging it so much and I well so just so our listeners who didn't hear Beverly's episode know can you tell us 
what you understood her to mean when she talked about trans trending. Yeah, so I kind of understood trans trending to be this thing that's become so popular, um, particularly in Portland, among teenagers and middle schoolers where... Oh, no, it starts in elementary school. Okay. So for so. us, it started in <laughs> Southeast Portland Elementary School. Yeah, so that's just like... Not with I my can't children, even fathom that. Friends yeah. and peers. So... Is it is it is it trending? I think that I think that it's a it's I think that's totally trending, and I think that it's a mix of for what Beverly said. She thinks the reason is where kids feel cooler doing, and then I also think the other part is that now among middle school girls who um, feel gross in their bodies, right, and that's what I was asking Bev about. I think adults who these girls trust are saying to them, "You feel gross in your body because you're a boy." And if you transition to a boy, you will no longer dislike your body. And I just think this is so... Really? Really. So you don't think it comes from them internally? Because I was wondering if it was coming from them internally. I don't think so, because I... Like I that maybe they weren't trans... I guess I should clarify. That maybe they weren't transgender, but that internally they were feeling so uncomfortable. Because I actually know... I, I actually knew a, an adult female like this. She she was very beautiful, and she was so tired of the... She was very beautiful, and she was very tired of the attention she got from men. And she didn't dress as a boy, but she definitely... She did everything she could to not appear feminine in any way. Like, she wouldn't... She'd put her hair up. She wouldn't do her makeup. She yeah. wouldn't wear tight clothing she wouldn't she certainly wouldn't be dressed as you or I are today in any kind of form-fitting clothing whatsoever um she, she would almost try to make herself and she couldn't do it because she was too beautiful but she would almost try to make herself look look non-binary look unattractive so she could get through the grocery store and I I know it sounds like a nice problem to have and it, <laughs> frankly as I'm saying it I'm like Jesus Christ I wish yeah. that was my issue but but I wonder, it, I mean, when I think back to what it was like being in junior high, I wonder if because that's an option, if I wouldn't have gone, you know what, I'm just going to throw on a binder and I'm going to, I mean, I don't know that I would have because I think I've always felt yeah. very feminine, but it didn't feel good. It didn't yeah. feel good doing all the feminine things in junior high. It didn't feel good. Yeah. I mean, I think I totally agree, and I think that the problem with this um is that we are teaching young girls that instead of learning to love their bodies for how they are and getting through this awkward phase and teaching them that they're beautiful through every part of it, it's telling them that if they make this drastic change and switch genders, that that is what will make them love their body instead of loving themselves for who it is. And not just... Okay, so you're saying that maybe it's not literally an, a specific adult in their life telling them that. It might be the... You might you're saying it might be adults in our culture. In our culture here, particularly here in Portland, the messaging being the, the cultural messaging being maybe you're a boy. Yeah, or if you know girls see, because I remember being in middle school and so many <laughs> middle school boys seemed like they were all like they weren't having an awkward phase. Like they looked great, and you know maybe it came later, maybe they just missed it or whatever it was. But I'm sure that if you know a, if the pronoun talk was a big thing and people were introducing themselves and these boys who looked like they had it all together and they were cute and they seemed confident and they introduced themselves as using he, him pronouns. 
I wonder if a girl would look at them and say, well, if I just used he, him pronouns, like maybe I would feel a lot better and I would have that same level of confidence because they do and they look great. So maybe, but it's just, it's different genetics. I mean, you're just different humans. The genetics is the worst part. Cause like you probably heard this when Beverly and I were talking that when she started taking estrogen and she gained all that weight yeah. and I was just like, I know, Yeah. I know it's, and she lost all the things that would have been good for her to keep yeah. as a woman, like a flat stomach and narrow hips and a fit, just more muscle, yeah. more muscle mass, less fat. I mean, it's, it's just all the things that come along with this um, dose of, this high-powered dose of estrogen as you're yeah. going through puberty. This is just a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And, you know, middle school is, it's And I'm not saying boys don't suffer from yeah. their own. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my God, like the, the public erections. And I, mean, I don't yeah. even, yes, yes, yeah. you, you suffer. Yeah. You, I'm acknowledging you. Yeah. I'm doing a, I'm doing a full, full-throated acknowledgement, acknowledgement of that. Because yeah. I, I do have, because my girls play with boys, I hear what, I don't hear them talk about it, but I hear their mothers, and I, I hear you. Everybody yeah. out there, I hear you. But, yes, I don't think we can underestimate how, um, disgusting it feels to start getting those extra high-powered doses of estrogen and yeah. just, yeah, I mean, put packing on the fat and watching your face explode. I mean, I'm just grateful for my parents and how they handled it because I feel like so many girls go through phases of, like, deep depression because of confidence issues and insecurity. And obviously, I went through insecurity and whatever, but... I feel like the way that my parents raised me just ensured that I would, you know, see myself as a strong and beautiful woman. And my parents always affirmed me of that. And they never, ever brought up that I needed to change something about myself to feel better about myself. Like, it was never, I feel like it was never, you need to lose weight and then you'll feel better. Because my parents knew that that would pass. You know, I naturally lost the weight that I had gained. We figured out my skin, but they let me lead the way on what would, and they never told me that I needed to change something to feel good about myself. Um, so, yeah. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal, absolutely. So you so you think this trans trending, you think Bev is right about this trans trending thing? I totally do, yeah. And um, What is behind that? What's going on there? Is, is that... Is that because we are so focused on categorizing levels of oppression in Portland and we it's a way to chip away at that? I mean, yes, okay, feeling uncomfortable in our bodies. And you would agree that it's mostly girls transitioning. Oh, it's not boys transitioning. I have not in met... In my experience, it's, it's all girls. I have not met a young boy who or a high school boy who has even used they, them pronouns. Um, I haven't come across that at all. Like, I don't think a single, I don't think a single one. That's interesting. Which is, and I feel like people are letting, like, not paying enough attention to that. Like, people aren't, the people who don't think that this is trending. I'm like, explain that to me then. Provide an explanation for scientifically how that makes sense that all of these people transitioning are girls. Because I would like to see them try to explain that to me because I just don't. It makes no sense. And then obviously, like, there are 
valid transgender people and most like Beverly. like Beverly who transitioned from male to female and is completely a woman I and I think gender dysphoria is real. Yeah. And I want to be very clear about that. I think gender dysphoria is totally real. I think there are people who just like Beverly want to kill themselves until they're and would and would and it's very serious and and have got to get hooked up with the kind of resources that she got the the social resources with the counseling and the and and then eventually the medication that she had but you know again she says you start with the counseling yeah um so so you think that that transgender thing is is real and then do you are you still hearing i mean what what is the reaction from people when from your peers or maybe from teachers i don't know but what is the overall reaction when these kids complain about being misgendered at St. Mary's? Do oh, you know? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, pretty much everyone that I know, except for myself and my closest friends, um, I they're think everyone, by this. everyone totally indulges them in it and is out. Even if they're not actually outraged, they at least pretend to be outraged. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't come across many people who, I mean, and even some of mine and my best friends, other close friends, we just, we don't talk about that because I don't really want to have a conversation about it. Um, I don't really want to know. I think it's kind of just understood that we might just agree to disagree on that, and that's that. That's probably for the best. Yeah, I think it's for the best. Um, so we just kind of leave it at that. But So then it leads myself and my best friend are kind of talking about this all the time because we really only have each other to talk to about it. Have, have any of these students at St. Mary's fully transitioned to he, him? And I'm sorry, not fully transitioned. I shouldn't say that because that implies like sexually transitioned. No, just the pronouns. Any, so they use he, him pronouns and identify as boys? Identify as male? I think, so, I think so, presumably. I, I don't... And it's, I guess it's okay to attend St. Mary's. I mean, a lot of, I think that the thing is, is that a lot of these people, you would only know that those are their pronouns from their social media. So, so you're saying they look like girls? Uh, I wouldn't say they look like girls. I think they look pretty androgynous. Um, I think if I saw them out in public, I would, like, assume that they are somewhere in the middle. Like, they're struggling. Oh, you wouldn't struggling. even know. I wouldn't even know. So um, apparently... So if you're at least presenting as male, you can go to St. Mary's. If you identify as a boy, you can go to St. Mary's. I guess if you have... Apparently you can. I guess when you were, if you were accepted into St. Mary's and began as a girl and then began transitioning to a boy while you were at St. Mary's, I guess they wouldn't... And I've only, I want to make it very clear that I've only seen probably two people that, to me, look like boys at St. Mary's out of, you know, 600 or whatever. So it's not, like, a common thing. And by look like boys, you're, you're saying they're intentionally – I just want to – this isn't like a this girl who no. unfortunately no. Was, was no. just born with – Like, they are intentionally – and, like, if I saw them in public, I would think that they're, like, attractive people. Like, oh, that's an attractive guy. Like, they're obviously intentionally presenting themselves – is masculine, but then there are tons of girls at St. Mary's who use they, them pronouns or use she, her, and they, them pronouns or variations, whatever it is. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you can make an argument about the they-them pronouns given the all-girls school, but I just think the he-him is a bridge too far. Oh, that's a bridge too far, too. I, I mean, would I, agree. I wonder why, at that point, somebody doesn't... I just think that's weird. I, yeah. it just seems that, I just think that would warrant, like, a sit-down with the family to go, look, this is a... <laughs> we're at an all-girls school, and I... For you and for everybody's interests, it just seems like maybe a different high school is a high school for you. And it's interesting because I feel like so many people want, all they want is for like myself or for you or whoever to recognize transgender boys as boys. Like they are just as male. But so then I Which think Which I'm happy like, to do, but then why are you at an all Then why are, Because if someone who was born male would never, or I think about if I attended an all boys school, like how <laughs> right, in, how insane that would be like i would feel like i would I don't fucking even know if they have those that. anymore but no yeah. they, there's none in oregon anymore but it like that Across would be the country they must i mean yeah. i'm assuming in oklahoma they've got an all boys school somewhere that would be miserable i mean that would be like and my parents would never allow for that to happen I'm speechless. Yeah. It really happens, but I'm speechless about all this. Okay, now let's talk about the climate, what it, what, what Bruce Gilley in this letter referred to as climate change hysteria. Where do you think that's coming from? Do, I you, think do you all do that walkout for climate? I think that's what he's referring to because, yeah, I think that's, I mean, a lot of people from St. Mary's went, so, and, I mean, same with all the other high schools, so I'm sure that's what. It's not just high schools. I mean, it, we were getting, you know, emails from the elementary saying, <laughs> Public, of course, not private, but I mean, St. Mary's is private, but the, I can't imagine our private elementary or private middle participating or allowing that in any way. They just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I remember at PP at Portland Public getting emails like, hey, the, you know, if your kid wants to participate in this walkout, let us know. And I just remember thinking, um, the answer is no, they're not leaving school, uh, number one, they're in fifth grade or under. Right, who are they going to go with? Well, go exactly. Downtown, go These downtown children alone. need to be accompanied by yeah. somebody. This is ridiculous. They're in fifth grade or yeah. under, and they're walking out of school. I mean, yeah. that should be alarming, That's and it would dangerous. be alarming to most people. Yeah. I mean, the idea that a first grader is just going to get up and walk out of school in the name of climate change is yeah. frankly, again, I mean, there's just... I mean, where do we peak? Yeah. I was going to say it's peak Portland, but I think I already yeah. used that phrase. So where where does it end? It doesn't. Yeah. I'm wondering if we're just going to keep going. We are. We're going to go right off the cliff. I mean, hopefully some change in But I don't know that that's... Here's the reason I don't know that that's climate change hysteria. First of all, again, I hysteria, sure, to the rest of the country, but... If you live in this city with this man, where this man apparently lives and teaches, certainly within it, in a, in a state school, right? Portland State is a state school. Yeah. Um, there isn't, I, I can't think of a high school that doesn't participate in the climate change walkout. And in fact, there are city leaders that clap and woot for the kids that are walking out. Yeah. And, and that occurs every year. State yeah. representatives, state senators. Um, for all I know, they're federal. If they were, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blink an eye. It would be totally on brand. Um, the, they're, they're commissioners. They're city council leaders. They're all encouraging this. Yeah, and I... Um, this isn't even about really his point, but I... 
don't have any problem with the climate change walkouts, and I think that it's cool if people are, you know, a part of some movement, and I would probably, I don't know if I would, I'm sure I would attend one if (laughs) I wasn't stressed out about it, but I don't really understand what it is doing to have any impact on climate change. That's where I get a little bit, I don't deny climate change in any way, I just get curious as to what, because I don't think these walkouts are causing any businesses or any, you know, factories to take any action. Um, so that's my thing. But Yeah, I just think it's weird that you would send your kid to any high school in this city and expect that high school to not have, in fact, a rather large group of kids that or, or students that just walk out on this climate day walkout. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. And they're encouraged by the city to do it. Yeah. And they're encouraged by their county to do it. And they're encouraged by the state to do it. Yeah. And, and in fact, these a bunch of these nonprofits and these city, state, county leaders use that as a way to pressure their peers within the legislature or within the city or whatever. Um, they use that as pressure or they use that as a push point to come up with some new bill that they can file under the under the subject matter climate change and push for that. I mean, they're always giving quotes to the newspaper about how this shows why my piece of legislation about da-da-da-da-da needs to get passed because the kids know that we're at this, we're at a precipice and the, the students will lead us. You know, I mean, they love that yeah. kind of stuff. And every, they all cover it. Every outlet covers it, the Mercury more than anybody, for obvious reason. And they spend, you know, every, they, we've got news clips. Just look it up, Climate Change Walkout, Portland, Oregon. You'll find 10,000 videos of, of state, city, and county leaders, mostly in masks outside, which yeah. also tells you everything you need to know. Hooting and hollering along as all the high school students walk out of their school because we don't give a shit about education in this state. We don't. We're always last. We're always the worst for that. And that's part of why we shut the schools down for 18 months, because we don't freaking care about educating these kids. Kate Brown got rid of all the graduation standards. We don't have those anymore. You don't need to, you don't need to have any proficiency in reading or math because a lot of them don't. And then they wouldn't graduate. And then how bad would we look? We'd look even worse. So if we get rid of those, then that's not on anybody's radar because we're not testing for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the education, like, it's crazy how much we have fallen behind and how it's, people in Portland seem to be so, you know, active and talking about issues, but education seems to be the last thing on anyone's minds when it's, like, the most important for every reason imaginable. It's crazy to me. Progressives used to be leading the charge on education. And they certainly lead the charge on funding. And they continue to do that here. They want you to fund it. They just don't want to be responsible for any kind of metrics or results. I mean, what is is being funded? What is the funding even going to at this point? That's my question. Because... Well, that's my question as well. You know where a lot of it's going? And we made the front page of the New York Times for this. A lot of it is going to the public employee's retirement system. Because, we're, because we put all these, we guaranteed an 8% rate of return a million years ago. And these people in tier one, who the highest paid mostly consist of um, 
administrators at OHSU and coaches like Mike Bellotti, et cetera, those are the people that are getting paid like a million dollars a year in a pension on our dime. And then it won't stop after they die. Their spouse gets the money. And then the spouse, it actually, the New York Times even said, the spouse will have to die or whoever the beneficiary is of this particular person's money. Unfortunately, we phase that thing out. And I think to the chagrin of a lot of public employees, um, which I get, I mean, yeah. holy crap. If I got a guaranteed 8% right now, a guaranteed 8% return on my investment, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would be mad too yeah. if that stopped. Um, but we phased that out because it was bankrupting the state and it was destroying the public education system. And there's a statistic somewhere, and I'll find it and I'll link to it, but basically there's a certain amount of money that every, every time they collect money for schools, a certain amount of money has got to be sliced off there for the public employees' retirement system. And it's not a small amount. I, I, I think it's almost half, yeah. in fact. So you're operating on this budget that is not what it appears to be because we have to make all these payments and we're required to... And those of you who are outside of here who are wondering, who do not reside in Oregon, who are wondering how can this happen... We have tried, they have tried, they have taken this to the Supreme Court, and in fact, they have said, this is bankrupting, bankrupting our state, we can't continue this way, and the response from the Oregon Supreme Court was, yes, you must, because you made contracts with those people, which I can't necessarily yeah. argue with, um, but that was the, the point is, that was the response, and that's the end of that. So those are going to have to keep being paid out until the beneficiaries of Tier 1 PERS die, and then as far as the rest of the money, I agree with you. I mean, part of the issue is, like, if it's if if more, throwing more money at the problem is obviously we're throwing more and more money at this issue of public education and it's not solving anything. Exactly. We're not, yeah. We never do better. In yeah. fact, now we're doing worse than ever because we closed everything for eighteen months. Yeah. In the name of equity or what have you. Yeah. Which is also outrageous because obviously the kids that hurt the worst are the black and brown yeah. kids that are supposed to be wrapped up in this equity discussion. Yeah. That are supposed to be number one. And I don't Front hear I don't hear their voices being oh. listened to or, um, yeah, I don't hear them being heard ever. So yeah. like I don't. That's like for a city that um, claims to be so progressive. First of all, people forget that we are the whitest major city in America, and no one seems to care about the voices that are actually being affected the most. I mean, I remember my parents' outrage when teachers were able to get vaccinated before my 92-year-old my grandfather, who could very easily have serious, serious health issues, well, if not pass away yeah, you probably died. for COVID. I mean, still, and that's just, like, insanity to me. I think that my mom might have been able to technically get vaccinated before my grandfather because she was going in and out of jails. As a frontline worker. For, yeah, for her job, so... No, I know. Actually, I know she would have been. Yeah. Because I know a defense lawyer who was. Yeah, I remember when she was vaccinated um, pretty early. But I think it was after the teachers. I think it was definitely, I think it was after the teachers, too. <laughs> yeah, I think they were after the teachers, for sure. Yeah. She, yeah, te teachers were phase one. Yeah. And they still didn't go back to work. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my and God. And you know what they would say? They would say, it, not them, I want to make a distinction between teachers and their union. The union did all this, and the teachers' union would say, 
we didn't want to get it first. And I think they were right. Because you know what? If they got it first, they would have had to go back to work. Yeah. There would have been pressure to tell their their union members, you know, you're going back because you got we bargained for that you to get this vaccine first. Yeah. I don't think it was. I think I think the Portland Association of Teachers president said, well, we didn't even want that. So why are you saying we have to go back? And I, I'm sure she's right. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I'm, I'm sure that wasn't on the bargaining table. Yeah. It would, which is crazy because I remember everybody, we were all chomping at the bit to get that shot. And I remember just I, lying in bed at night thinking, when will I finally qualify for this yeah. thing? Oh, I remember, like, the joy I had when I got vaccinated, Same. when I got my and first vaccine. Like, the relief I felt, the freedom I, that my friends, we were able to gather together and hug each other. Like, it was amazing. So, I get it. But, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. So, clim- but aside from the climate change walkout, you can't think of any kind of climate change hysteria that St. Mary's is actually no, engaging. No, So then he says, uh, like all prudent parents, I kept my peace for the most part. Frankly, I don't understand how this man did not. So it's starting to make, now as I read the letter, I'm starting to wonder if his daughter just had a good time there and was happy yeah. there. And maybe this was all coming from him. That's and what if, I'm thinking, Yes, too. because if he's really outraged by this and if she had, if she sprinkled any kind of, assent to to his outrage at all on top of his outrage then i i can't imagine that he wouldn't have said we are nod your head you know say say uncle when you're ready to get out of here because i'm going to be the first one to yank you yeah um my as i read this my guess is she she enjoyed it that's what my guess is too you know it would have disrupted her possibly profoundly had he pulled her so he says he kept his peace. I, I, I honestly don't know how he didn't have I don't know how he kept his peace. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I, don't, he, <laughs> I don't know how he kept his mouth shut, yeah. let alone did not have an aneurysm yeah. by, by the second year. Yeah. Um, how he even got, like I said, how he even got through the first week. So then he says, uh, after she graduated, I had an opportunity to reflect on the school's direction when I received the first alumni donor appeal. The school president defined St. Mary's mission as preparing girls to bridge equity gaps, explore careers in STEM, and advocate for change in el- every element of society. And I didn't read that very carefully, but he then, apparently he did, because he then says, every element in society, this appeal for girls to become mindless agitators without any contemplation of the need, direction, and consequences of change should scare the living daylights out of every parent. Yes, your daughter can grow up to be Jane Fonda. Now, Jane Fonda, I enjoy her. I don't I don't disagree with um I, I don't agree with the idea that Jane Fonda is terrifying. Yeah. But, um, you know, people who are older are going to refer to her as, what, Hanoi Jane or whatever um, because of her Vietnam War stuff. Right. And, um, you know, okay, that I get. But just like Jane Fonda now, I mean, Jane Fonda is just some harmless old lady with yeah. a very good plastic yeah, it's, surgery. It's, I feel like it's an odd person to point to. Well, especially, I mean, he, he this man is clearly much older because... Um, that was really, I mean, for, for boomers, their source of outrage about Jane Fonda was really involved in her, like, posing with the Viet Cong. Um, and I, 
I understand that outrage, but this is like generations later. Yeah, I'm just using. I'm just thinking how old he could be if his daughter just graduated from St. Mary's last Although year. Although my husband and I are much older parents, and it's possible. I mean, I, yeah, it's it's possible that um, that I'm going to be using crazy yeah. crazy references that no one understands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very soon, or yeah. Already, yeah, I may already be doing that. Yeah. Um. So, although, one thing I will say that strikes me as true when I read that is that he, that, yeah, I mean, this idea that we need to, or, or you all need to, is after you graduate, advocate for change in every element in society. It's a little weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't even remember... <laughs> receiving that letter but if it was certain families I, I don't know if my parents saw it but yeah I mean I could see how that could be a little bit misconstrued or perceived a certain way um well I think that's the Portland way right there is the Portland so I, I probably heard this on Andrew Sullivan's podcast or something but I just remember listening to a podcast and somebody saying a conservative and a and a, and a a conservative and a far-left progressive will look at the most beautiful painting in the world or a picture of the most beautiful woman in the world. And the conservative will say, look at how beautiful she is or look at how beautiful this is. And the progressive will say, if only she could cut her hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, if only the dress was green. Yeah. <laughs> then, yes, but I can't. This Not I yet. cannot abide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I've never heard that. Well, before. I wonder if that's what he's he's expressing his outrage at, and I wonder if this isn't part of our culture. Advocate for changing every every element in society. That is Portland culture. I think Portland culture is the idea that sure there ain't any element in society that shouldn't or can't be changed. Yeah. So I you know I wonder if that's just part of it. So then he's upset about that. Then he says, as a handy reference, the fundraising letter included a header with suggested future roles for your daughter. Girls as was the repeated phrase followed by a series of suggestions. Global citizen, social activist, environmental champion, political leader, scientist, entrepreneur. Then he says, to me the list looked rather circumscribed. I turned the letter over and scribbled down a dozen or so roles that were missing. Loving mother, faithful witness of Christ, steward of a free society, corporate executive. I don't know. Entrepreneur is pretty. That's pretty, pretty that's free pretty, market. It's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, I would say on, in entre, in using the word entrepreneur, St. Mary's is kind of straying from the Portland narrative. Yeah. That's I mean, a not, pretty not kind of. Yeah. They're doing a one eighty. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't like business. Here. And entrepreneur is a pretty broad. I mean, I feel like that can cover many different fields. So I don't. Yeah, I don't. They know, could. But. It could. it could. It could cover a social justice yeah. feel. Yeah. Uh, but also, on, entrepreneurs aren't, aren't people that we look up to yeah. in this city. Yeah. So the idea that they, you know, that's not our culture. So um, they're the bad people yeah. that need to pay more. <laughs> so they're not paying their fair share, and they need to either love it or leave it. Yeah. And by loving it, we mean give us about 63% of everything you bring in. 64, 65, 75 would be preferred, but we'll take whatever we can. And we will continue to take. 
and and I think he's mad about the social activist environmental champion piece because honestly, like scientists, that's a good thing. Global citizen, I don't see what's wrong with that. Uh, maybe because that's a progr- that's obviously a progressive whistle. Like Jonathan Haidt, who wrote the Co- um, Coddling of the American Mind, has this other book that's really good um, that I'm reading that talks about uh, people in different camps people it's called the righteous mind um why good people are divided by politics and religion and it's a great book because he talks about how um he's done all this survey and collect all this data about how progressives think and how conservatives think and he himself is more of a centrist um actually he's a left-leaning centrist but he says like for instance he says progressives tend to think globally and conservatives think very locally and he said when 9-11 happened he felt compelled to wave an american flag or put an american flag bumper sticker on his car but because he's at nyu he's actually at the stern school of business at nyu and he says because he was at nyu he knew if he put a flag bumper sticker on his car that would signal that he was not part of the elite quote-unquote progressive elite at the school. In other words, it would signify that he, his, the car was not being driven by a professor mm-hmm. or a student, but by someone from the janitorial staff or a somebody engaged in a blue-collar job at NYU. Yeah. And so instead, he put on his car a American flag and a globe. <laughs> and he thought, okay, this will signify, this will, yeah. I will not get any crap for this because it shows that I am virtue signaling to my progressive friends and colleagues, I'm waving, I'm waving this globe around saying, hey, look, um, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a Republican. I'm still a Democrat. I'm still a progressive. I'm still a, I'm still a might be a centrist, but I'm still a left-leaning one because I'm going to put a globe on my car. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's why he's outraged by that global citizen thing. I mean, maybe that's a bit of a whistle for. Because it is. I, I, I even on the Fourth of July, there are not a lot of American flags. Oh yeah. In no. Portland. Totally. Yeah. Because Portland is so progressive. A lot of it's people very don't celebrate the Fourth of July. Will come again. A lot of people don't celebrate the Fourth of July anymore. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. That. No, that I haven't seen. Who, yeah. Who, who's doing this? Oh, I think that. There, it's just, I've heard a bunch of talk among, like, teenagers saying, you know, why would we celebrate the 4th of July right now in the state of our country and things. I think it was, like, super popular and, like, I remember in 2020 that being, like, a huge thing that was, like, cool to say, like, why would we celebrate the 4th of July? Like, that was a huge thing back then among, like, the woke teenagers. So it's interesting because the more I think about Jonathan Haidt's commentary about his bumper sticker, the more I think about my neighborhood. And I'm thinking about how the houses that do fly flags, which are few and far in between, also fly a Ukrainian flag. Yeah. And that is a lot like Jonathan Haidt's bumper sticker example. Totally. Where you're, you're doing the American flag, but then you've got this, you're also signaling this global, global understanding yeah. that, that gets you away from the America first narrative. Yeah. And it distances you from the from the right political wing in the United States. You're totally right. I think I've seen a lot of that too. The Ukrainian flag and um, the American flag. I mean, frankly, there I think there are more Ukrainian flags in my neighborhood than American flags. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there are. Yeah. 
But the people who do opt to fly an American flag not on the that are not that is not on the Fourth of July, a lot of people fly the American flag on the Fourth of July and then they take it down. And the people who don't take it down, they've got a Ukrainian one or sometimes an LGBTQ one. But it is not up to date. I will say, I did learn from Bev that she's very into this new flag, um, and. The flags I see are rainbow flags, so they're clearly being flown by boomers. Oh, I wasn't even aware that there's a new flag. Okay. I know nothing about that. This would be very upsetting to Bev because you're sexually diverse. Yeah, I have no, I have, I have not, I'm not, I'm not super, like, educated (laughs) on the, like, current, (laughs) I don't spend a lot of time, like, but but I would be interested to learn about that. I yeah. think you have no, your yeah. own special flag. Yeah, there are different for... I know that one, but I didn't know that there's a new, like, broad... No, there's a new one, and it's not okay. It's not rainbow. And what oh. was weird to me as a Gen as an ancient Gen Xer, what was weird to me is... I, and I kept, like, she, she was just not buying this. She was just like, you are crazy, you are old, you are stuck in your ways, you sound... I mean, I felt like my grandpa when I was talking to her about this, because I was like, it is rainbow, it is everybody. That's... That's a big part of, I feel like, the gay history is the rainbow flag. Like, that's a big part. But I get super frustrated with um, young LGBTQ people um, because I feel like everyone forgets, like, about the older generation, the people in the older generation who paved the way for, like, gay people to have rights. And they, I feel, I just watched this YouTube video that was, I included a woman who was probably in her 60s or something who came out as a lesbian, obviously, when it wasn't (laughs) accepted. Um, And she was talking about how she has been corrected on people's pronouns before. And she gets just so frustrated and teenagers feel so um, entitled to, you know, correct older generations. And when I don't think they realize how fucking easy we have it compared to what it was like, like, which is why I get so, I mean, I've never, I understand that homophobia is like very much alive, whatever. I've never experienced any form of hate or prejudice or anything. And again, that's one of the few things Portland does well. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and that's what like people in Portland, I feel like, um, like teenagers who identify as LGBTQ, whatever, even if they're white, I feel like they act like they're oppressed. And I just want to know, how they are oppressed because of their sexuality. Like, in what ways does that actually have an impact on your day-to-day life? Because I can't think of any. Well, I mean, you identify as sexually diverse. Do you feel oppressed? No. Or do you, have you experienced, you're saying you have, you've never experienced prejudice of any form? I think I've experienced much more prejudice for being Jewish than <laughs> for being. Really? Um, yeah. At, um, oh, well, I, you got you got the Holocaust joke. Well, and when I, was, when I was working this past summer at a cafe, um, I was wearing Star of David necklace and a woman, an older woman who was ordering from me, she was like completely lovely. And then I saw her look down at it. And after that, she was kind of refusing to talk to me or to engage about my order. And my manager had to take over the service of her. Are you serious? Her. I'm completely serious. That was my first experience with, like, full-on anti-Semitism in, like, with an adult or with so a public setting. So did you actually setting. have to go get help to take her order? My manager had to take over the... I was able to finish because it was one of those places where they come up to the counter and order, and then you serve it to them at the table. So I was able to finish that process, and then my manager had to um, take... And then my manager, when she came back, my manager was like, 
this is obviously bullshit because she was completely normal to me <laughs> and did not act weird. So that was my... She refused to speak to you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she was refused to engage with me about refused to further the... Um, once I saw her look down at my Star of David necklace. So, and that and was... at a, that point, was it just small talk or did she have an order to complete? At that point, it was just small talk. So... Yeah, it was somebody noticed, the manager noticed, I guess, instead yeah, of... Yeah, so it was, a, it was like a small kitchen because we were just a small cafe inside of a spa. So the manager was kind of right there. And I think she, I turned to her and just kind of was like... And then I didn't think that she really knew what was going on at the time, but she just kind of took over and then... But yeah, so that was... But no, I've never experienced any kind of homophobia or prejudice for... Um, for your sexuality. For my sexuality, yeah. Yeah. So then he, so the Bruce Gilley who wrote this letter uh, in the Wall Street Journal continues and he says, he's, he's talking about these roles that are missing that he wanted to see in this alumni appeal for funds, for fundraising. And, and of course, St. Mary's had said, like, global citizen, activist, and he, environmental champion. I'm sure that all made him nuts. And then, of course, the last three seem anodyne to me, political leader, scientist, entrepreneur. And an entrepreneur, I would say, is counter, we discussed this, countercultural yeah. to Portland. So that's a risk. The fact that they included that was, frankly, risky in the city. And then he says, the roles that are missing, um, we, we read some of them, loving mother, faithful witness of Christ. He continued, uh, steward of a free society. I mean, that's just, I don't even know anybody who talks like that. Corporate executive, okay, sure, but again, I think that's covered under yeah. entrepreneur. Patriot. And I feel Instead like of global citizen. I think that's what he means. Several times he mentioned in his article this thing about that St. Mary's is like a Christian place, and he said, steward, what did he say, steward of Christ? or Faithful witness, faithful of, witness Christ. of Christ. Kind of sounds like to me that he thinks St. Mary's needs to be like a strictly Christian space. Which, yeah. okay. And uh, that's very unrealistic. Very unrealistic. Especially in Portland. We're, yeah. I think we're the least church... If not, if we're not, we're right under Seattle or San Francisco as the least church city in the country. And then, so that seems narrow uh, and, um, again, unrealistic. And also wrong. Like yeah. the idea that a Jewish student shouldn't be able to attend St. Mary's and after she graduates should be expected to be a faithful witness of Christ seems a little silly to me. And also, if he thinks that St. Mary's would survive with just right. strictly Christian people, <laughs> like, St. Mary's would cr right. crash and burn so... I mean, if they were having only, it would like, die. strictly religious, like, yeah. church-attending witnesses of Christ, they would have, like, a hundred <laughs> students, maybe. Like, it would not work. So I don't know what he expects... And also, I'm sure half of those then Christian people would say, well, I don't want to attend a school where other people aren't welcome. So, like, yeah, it, that just would never, that would never work. Uh, steward of a free society, which cracks me up. Again, like, I don't even, why would that ever, I like how he's like, that's missing. Like, yeah. I, who, who, how, what, in what world, except Bruce's world, does the language steward of a free society occur to you to write down yeah. when you think of, the, the, women, the roles type of, of women. daughter that you want to yeah. produce out of high school. Yeah. Corp, corporate executive, okay, again, I think that's covered. Um, and I think he just chose Patriot as a counter narrative to the global citizen. Mm -hmm. I Let's just, I, I feel like, the, obviously, he's going far right 
and the school began progressive and kind of ended it on a, I, I, I would say they ended on a totally neutral note. Yeah. They picked three progressive things, which I feel like in Portland is to be expected. And in fact, they used a fair amount of restraint when they turned to political leader and scientists and went, I would say, for Portland to the right when they threw entrepreneur in there. Entrepreneur was really kind of a wave to the right wing yeah. in, in Portland. I mean, he should be happy that they included the word yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, and, and then another another thing he thinks is missing is advocate for parental rights. I mean, I just, I don't even know what that Never. means. Like, I don't know what he's trying to. When I hear that, I think of. Uh, the outrage that I've heard expressed about kids and I, I think of DeSantis's and I'm gonna say don't say gay even though I know it doesn't say that yeah DeSantis's don't say gay bill that's what I think of when I hear advocate for parental rights okay okay I think, I think that that's probably right I think that's probably right yeah I think that's probably what he's saying yeah that sounds right a uh, soldier okay I mean that seems I mean you know it's progressive yeah um does Portland? What is the culture now for high schoolers? Do we do we do we hate the military in high school, in Portland? I think that like I remember vividly in twenty a lot of stuff about twenty twenty. I feel like that was like a pretty monumental year, but it was. I think and I think especially it um, really was. Yeah, and so I remember hearing some people like joke about like kind of make fun of the military and kind of poke. Holds that, but I think that kind of trend like died very quickly, and hmm. I think at least among the people that I surround myself with, there is never any. Um, I mean, most of the a lot of the girls that I'm friends with, like we have grandparents who were in. I mean, my grandfather was on the front lines of the Vietnam War. My great grandfather was a three star general. I yeah, mean, my my dad was drafted. In yeah, Vietnam. so that's. Um, I mean, that's a big part of my family history. So, and I think that's the same thing with a lot of my friends. So I don't, and I think that if anyone ever did express any, this, any hatred towards members of the military, I would know to kind of steer clear. Okay. So that, so his soldier thing is like, whatever. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I would yeah. say it's kind of progressive because most women, Yeah. women in the military, I mean, I'm so old that women in the military was a big thing. No, I mean, um, that's, I think presidency. that's still so badass for women to, be going into the military. Agreed, agreed. After after we saw the new Top Gun movie, my mom was like convinced that I should be an Air Force pilot, which is just the most humorous <laughs> thought ever. Oh, and after hearing about, um, it's a good movie. Yeah, just like I mean, I was like, you would be crying every day in fear of like that would just never, and I would be hor. I mean, that's just never been some. I've never wanted to go into the military, and she was just after seeing. I don't remember her name, but. The woman, the right. one girl in it who was, like, so cool. And I'm like, that's awesome for her, but I would suck at that, and you would hate that. But the cool thing about, and the thing I love about Top Gun is even when I was my kid's age, when the first one came out, and the the main female character, who was played by Kelly McGillis, who has let herself go in a pretty upsetting way if you grew up with that movie, um, she was the... She was the female badass. She was the female professor. She was a female, 
I don't even know what they call it a Top Gun, but whatever. Yeah. The female the female fighter pilot teacher. Yeah. And she was like, you know, everybody deferred to her. Everybody, I mean, she killed. Like the idea was like she was awesome and incredible and never treated like in any other kind of way by anybody ever in the movie. And um, so, and, and ultimately that's why Tom Cruise, the Tom Cruise character in the old Top Gun movie falls in love with her because she's impressive yeah. and she's incredible and she like totally blows him away with what she's able to do yeah. and what she's achieved and what she's accomplished. That's why he's totally in love with her. Um, so that's the cool thing. I mean, th- it is a cool franchise. Um, caregiver. I love that he said that. Caregiver. I mean, frankly, yes. Being a woman, one of the blessings of being a woman is that you get to be a caregiver. And, you know, this is clearly written by a man. Yeah. Because one of the burdens of being a woman is that you not you don't get to be a caregiver. You, you need, must. Yeah, you need to be a caregiver. You must. Yeah. Especially if you have parents that are still alive, yeah. that are older, and especially if you give birth and you keep those children because I, they nurse and they're literally attached to your body. I just find it ironic that he's bringing up, like, caregiver because he's kind of acting as if St. Mary's is saying to us, like, you cannot be a caregiver. You need to stay. Because it's, like, the it's the understood expectation that women, we just, yeah, like you were saying, we need to be caregivers. So no one's telling us, you know, whatever. Like, that's just ridiculous. And, and honestly, it's upsetting to me because because we are expected to be caregivers, that's why that's part of why this closed school stuff destroyed us. The New York Times did a piece on this, and it set women back to the 70s. Yeah. I mean, this COVID stuff, women, women, the, I, the fact is, and I'm not, I don't complain a lot about being a woman, and I think we've made incredible progress, and in fact, we're doing better. You know, yeah. we tend to graduate from medical school more we, we we graduate from we're, we're there's more of us in law school yeah. there's more of us in college there's more of us in college i mean yeah. men are not doing well women are doing better and and i i'm i'll i'll fully acknowledge that that said <laughs> that said that close there is a reason that the moms did zoom me included and and my husband and i sh- we're sitting in the law firm that we co-own right now as we sit here today. Um, the idea that school closures did not impact moms more than dads yeah. is absurd yeah. and not supported by the data. Yeah. And it doesn't make a whole, the more I think about it, it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. And I don't know what that was about, except potentially biology, potentially societal expectations, potentially our own implicit expectations in our households. Yeah. Yeah. And and part of it, too, was he was willing, to, my husband was willing to come down here every day, and I'm gesturing around as we sit here downtown, and I was not. Yeah. And I, it's, that is still the case. Yeah. I, he is willing to, to venture here far more than I am because I, I dislike downtown immensely, and it's not safe. Yeah, it's not safe. Generally for women, particularly after it gets dark. And so it was just easier for me to to work at home, but that also meant that I was doing all the ridiculous Zoom school. Um, then he says civil servant. Okay, well, okay, sure, civil servant. Um, isn't that covered by political leader? Right. 
I don't know. I don't know why he take. I don't know why he thinks that had to be included. I don't know. I don't know why he takes issue with the word or, political or leader global and citizen. <laughs> sure, and, and in progressive Portland, global look in progressive Portland by global citizen, they mean civil servant. Yeah. That's what they mean. Yeah, just speak Portland. Yeah, if you live here, you should learn to be fluent in yeah. it. Yeah, especially if your daughter is going to a going school. to St. Mary's yeah. or any school. Yeah, within city limits, any school. And then he says, in other words, I know to things girls are discouraged from being by today's liberal mainstream. I disagree with that. I don't think that girls are discouraged from being corporate executives in the no. liberal mainstream. I don't think they are, no. do you? No, not at all. I, I thought think, everybody was obsessed with that encouraged. ridiculous lean-in book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, what about, what about, um... What about civil servant? I don't think girls are discouraged at all. No. From, from, doesn't civil servant mean you're working for the government? Yeah. That's Serving ridiculous. Society. Yeah. I feel like all of these things, he's saying we need to be encouraged to, but the thing is we have been encouraged to do these things. Like we don't need more encouragement. That's like, yeah, that's like saying St. Mary's is not encouraging you to be, um, St. Mary's is not encouraging you to be the head of a company. I mean, they said entrepreneur. Yeah. Entrepreneur is corporate executive or could be corporate executive. If you started that company, you're, if you're the corporate exec and you started the company, you're the entrepreneur. They covered that. Yeah. I think that's a little strange. Yeah, I agree. And civil servant could be the president. And I'm sure it's not like, you're certainly not discouraged from running for president if you attend St. Mary's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, sure. I think they'd be thrilled. Oh, I'm sure they would be I mean, they'd, they'd throw a parade in your honor yeah. if you were a St. Mary's alum that ran for president. And I think that St. Mary's is, students from St. Mary's are <laughs> the most likely to feel comfortable running for president. Okay, after. well, that's saying a lot. Yeah. So... So then he says, I worry that my daughter will feel like a failure if she doesn't appear in alumni updates for working on intersectional justice in marginalized communities. Do you think that's valid? I, I don't. I, just, I, mean, I don't. I don't. I, I, I kind of see where he's trying to get at, but I just don't think that that's true. So under that rubric, basically what he's saying is if Cheryl Sandberg were an alum of St. Mary's um, and versus... I mean, intersectional justice in marginalized communities versus like some, I mean, I that's half, that's maybe three quarters of Portland. So if you plucked some Portlander out of a nonprofit, an affinity nonprofit, and and you threw them into the alumni magazine, and then you had a section on Cheryl Sandberg. Right. I, is Cheryl Sandberg seen as a failure? I, I really don't think I, so. I, I highly doubt no, that. I, I find that very difficult to believe. I think that at St. Mary's, when we talk about, you know, previous students or, you know, women to look up to, I think that we're equally encouraged to look at political leaders and doctors and yeah. people like scientists yes. who have changed the game and, you know, That's whatever it is. That's front and center. And so... Yeah, I, I, I don't think that that's true. I mean, so if you're a heart surgeon, right, you you would feel like a failure yeah. in an alumni up if you don't yeah. appear in an alumni update. I find yeah. that very difficult. I mean, to if, if I saw someone who was a heart surgeon versus the head of a affinity nonprofit, I mean, I have a certain opinion on which one's more impressive. I think that the surgeon is more impressive than being the head, but like I don't think that there is any tendency at St. Mary's to favor 
social activists over just impressive. I feel like even in Portland, on the inside, they might not admit this on the outside, but inside, they would agree with you. Yeah, I think so, too. Internally. Yeah. They would be forced to, their internal feelings would be, yeah, that uh, cardiac surgeon's probably doing a little better in every every uh, section of life. Yeah. Um, because the good news about making a lot of money is you can use it to do good things. And, I mean, it's like doctors are saving lives and changing the game for people's <laughs> health. I feel like that's a little bit important, too, <laughs> for people to look up to. Yeah. <laughs> and they are scientists. And, and scientist was included yeah. in St. Mary's List. Uh, and then he says... I worry that a whole generation of girls is being sent screaming into the culture wars by the social anxieties of its parents. Now, that I don't necessarily yeah. disagree with. Me neither. I mailed the letter back with my additions and a fresh postage stamp of Nancy Reagan. <laughs> I'm making a gagging <laughs> gesture right now off mic. Just because Nancy, Nancy Reagan was a joke when I was growing up. Yeah. N- Nancy Reagan was this very thin, buttoned-up, older I mean, they were old. The Reagans were old. Like, we think the Bidens and the Trumps are old. I mean, at least Melania is a hottie-patottie little thing. But, like, yeah. the, the Reagans were old. And especially when I was young, the Reagans looked ancient to me. And it was this buttoned-up, ancient-looking woman tell, telling me in a, in a wiggly, old-person voice to just say no. And that's what I remember about Nancy Reagan. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um... And I think that's the end of the article. That's That's where he says Mr. Gilly's a professor at Portland State, as you said, and a member of the Board of National Association of Scholars. Now, now, I find the tone strident. I disagree with probably, I don't know, I don't know, coming away with that, 70%, maybe 50%, something like that. But in general, the idea that St. Mary's is sort of a woke factory is probably, I don't know, is that true? Um, I don't, I think that St. Mary's, I'll say this, for being in Portland, I well, don't, Portland, probably not. I don't think that, for I think, Portland, probably not. Yeah, I think that for any other part of the country, it is, and I do think that there is a lot of, you know, wokeness among students and whatever, but I don't think that St. Mary's, I mean, I feel like he's talking about Portland and yeah. how St. Mary's is like, this different place that other high schools in it's Portland, not. and that's just it's ridiculous. Not. He, ex- you know what he is? He's mad because he expected it to be a sanctuary of his, what he would see as a sanctuary in a crazy city. Yeah, and it wasn't what he expected, and he's just upset that it, it didn't fulfill his expectations. Yeah, but I think that you're right. I think in general, St. Mary's is more likely to produce. A corporate, some of the things he said, a a corporate executive. I think St. Mary's is more likely to produce a civil servant. I think St. Mary's is more likely to produce, um, he says, a steward of free society. I don't know exactly what that means, but the point is, St. Mary's is more likely to to produce a a leader, either economically, culturally, or or politically, than a lot of high schools in the city of Portland. And if girls from St. Mary's grow up and want to be stay-at-home moms, so be it. Like, if you want to, if you want to just be a mother and to stay at home while your husband goes, then so be it. And I don't think we're being discouraged from that at all. 
So, um, but I don't think... And is that what he wants for his... I mean, I would wonder... I mean, it's like the tone is like that's what he wants for his daughter, but if you really injected him with true serum... I mean, this is a professor at Portland State. Yeah. If you injected this guy with true serum, I, I find it hard to believe that's what he wants for her. Yeah. I would, I would. Why would you send your daughter to St. Mary's yeah. if you just wanted her to stay home? Yeah, wouldn't and, you just homeschool her? As Hillary her? said, stay home and bake cookies. <laughs> yeah. And she was, of course, widely uh, chided for that. But I, I remember as a high schooler hearing, because my mom always worked, and I remember as a high schooler hearing that and thinking, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's okay if you want to, but you shouldn't be expected to. Yeah. So what is it about Portland for you that makes you want to leave? Um, I think that it's just the fact that we can't walk anywhere downtown or in our city anymore without feeling unsafe. It's depressing walking around, seeing people unconscious and on drugs. It's scary. The fact that people are so willing to enable them and treat them like they're children, um is just so frustrating to me and I just I don't think that I could I think that it's just too upsetting and too depressing and I just it's just so the state that we're in right now is so insane and I mean it's disgusting too like so much of Portland right now is filled with trash I mean on my walk just I have to walk like seven blocks from my bus stop to school in the morning and the amount of garbage and, like, the smell in certain places, it's just disgusting. I mean, and around St. Mary's, there's a good amount of homelessness. There's and a lot. crazy people. and it's like right downtown. Right downtown. It's on, you know, 5th and Clay or whatever it is. So 5th um, and Market, which is, like, a pretty central area for that. So, I mean, we've seen it. I mean, on my, like, second week of attending St. Mary's, total, like, ever, uh, we walked outside, and there was a completely naked man across the street. And our security guards at St. Mary's were, like, scrambling to, like, whatever. But, I mean, and that was just, like... Didn't you have to call 911 at some point? Yeah, I had to call... I've had to call 911 twice, once with my friends, once with my family, once with my friends outside of an old person's home. There was someone, like, I don't know if they were cracked out or what, outside of the door. And so I called 911 saying that I didn't want... in old person to open the door and then get attacked from this man who was passed out and so they said we'll dispatch and then when I was walking on the waterfront and then downtown with my parents and my closest friend we saw someone splayed out and we couldn't tell if they were alive or not so my mom had me call 911 and I was on hold with 911 for five minutes yeah yeah I'm very grateful that um, Portland was not in the state that it's in when I was your girl's age so do you think you're going to stay in Portland when you're an adult? Or if it continues going in this direction, there's no chance that I'll end up here. When, what about college? Um, no, I'm definitely not staying in Oregon um, for college. I'm not going to stay on the West Coast for college, I don't think. I mean, I'm looking at places all over the country. But, Why do you think that is? Um, I mean, for I think that the, it, the colleges in Oregon just don't really appeal to me that much. I don't feel like there's any reason that I would go there. Um in and what then, way do they not appeal to you? Um, I just, I, I don't think that there's anything particularly that stands out about them to me. I mean, I'm probably going to major in, like, business is probably going to be my major. Mm, or, you know, OSU would be the only one that I could think of. Yeah, and, I mean, I can find that major anywhere, but it's you not, 
it's not, I mean, U of O, for example, has a yeah. great journalism school. Right. And so it's if, not a great if, business school. Yeah, so if I were going to want to be a journalist, then I might say, okay, U of O, I mean, the weather in Oregon is another thing. I'm kind of getting more and more sick of the, the constant rain. Yeah. So I kind of want to get out of that. But, um, yeah, so I, I hope, like, when I was younger, I always said that I hope that um, when I was older, I'd get to raise a family in Portland and raise my kids here and settle down here. But with how things are going, I just don't think I would want to bring <laughs> children into the world and raise them in um, this environment. So I'm still hopeful that things will turn out. But my parents are moving out of Portland to a suburb when I go to college. I mean, they're getting out of I, here. Yeah, So you've said that. Yeah, so I don't know how... Um, yeah, which makes me sad, but I don't blame them at all. I think that there's a big like emphasis on the term, you know, meeting people in the middle. And in theory, I think that makes sense. But I think that what it's turned into is just allowing people to continue doing drugs and living on the street and saying, you know, because now I'm sure you've heard certain crazy people saying that homeless is not the proper term you need to say. Houseless. houseless. Because, you know, people can have homes on the street. And it's just, you're treating them like they aren't humans. By Like, humans should not live on sidewalks. That's not what should happen. And, you know, for to say, oh, they just, they're addicted to drugs. Obviously, they're mentally ill. But these people, it's not a matter of us not having enough housing and beds in Portland. Um, it's... A matter of people refusing to get sober. Our mental health services are horrible. And we're terrible on mental health. We're, we're terrible, terrible at addiction. Health. We're yeah. terrible at, addic at addiction treatment. We're one of the worst in the country. Yeah, and I just think that it's just this pattern of enablement that, I mean, homelessness in our city will never be solved if it continues going this way. I mean, when I, um, I don't remember where my family was. We were somewhere on vacation where homelessness is not an issue there. And Which I is most kept, most of the rest of the world. I kept saying the to, world really. Yeah, and I kept saying to my parents like it feels so weird to be walking downtown here and not see tents. Yeah, like, I know. This I know. feels crazy. I know. And then when people say things like, "Well, Portland's a big city now," I'm like, "Have you ever been to New York? <laughs> yeah. You ever been to Chicago? Yeah. It doesn't look like this. Yeah. Actually, most of LA doesn't look like yeah. this. Skid Row, sure. Skid Row, Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but most of LA doesn't. And I mean, I. I, my family's definitely, um, they've always tried to teach me when I was younger to have compassion towards, when I was in LA when I was like six, my aunt and uncle live there, my parents' closest friends, they're my godparents, and I was staying with them, and after dinner one time they said, we're going to take you somewhere to just drive by and show you, and they took me to Skid Row, and we drove past it just so that I could see yeah, it's important what to see. it's like for those people. And just it's like to, fourth world country. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Well, it's like walk here and here, actually. And but I was, but they're all they're all concentrated. I was probably like seven at the time, but and that might seem crazy to some people that I was exposed to that. But it's important to recognize, you know, how blessed I am. Um, so I don't want to come off as you know not compassionate towards homeless people. I think that it's not compassionate to allow them to stay on the street. I don't think that that's kind or compassionate at all. You said you have a bus stop. Do you do you take TriMet to St. Mary's, the yes. public bus system for yeah. transportation? Because parking, um, we don't have like a school parking lot, and parking is crazy expensive downtown. So I drive once a week, but I bus otherwise. And what is the TriMet bus like? Well, I I don't have any problems busing to school because luckily 
the bus that I take is right across from my house, and it's all of the Lincoln kids that ride it, since I live in that kind of oh, district. Lincoln it goes, High School. Yep. So it goes up by, like, Council Crest area, so and then it goes down. High school students. It's just high school students. And when you say it goes up Council Crest area, and you're talking about Lincoln High School students, you're talking about students from the w- very, very wealthiest area of Portland. Yep. All being picked up on a on a public yeah bus. i mean kids you walk see them walk out of like the biggest mansions by like ainsworth elementary school if you know where that is like the most beautiful houses ever and they walk out and get on the bus and go to school and then get off and then i'm and that's because we don't have a bus system for high schoolers in portland portland public schools yeah they t- you get a bus pass you, yeah a portland, Tri-Met portland public, public gets a trying pass my school doesn't we don't get that because um, we're not funded. But so, um, yeah, so I don't have a bus pass, but they all have bus passes that just comes on your ID. So, which is nice. Um, I think it's nice if you live there. Yeah, oh, totally. But I think if you live on the east side. Yeah, riding the bus would mm, not be. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of girls from my school need to drive to school because busing, their only bus routes available are not safe. And I'm sure that. If I did not have a safe bus, my parents would be paying for monthly parking. The only reason that I don't drive to school is because it just doesn't make any sense when there's a bus well, so accessible. Well, if you have a very nice bus route. I mean, it's literally across the street. If you have the, the nicest bus route in town, yeah. which it sounds like you do, yeah. you're right. It just it makes no sense. I would so do the same thing. I drive to school once a week. Like I pick the day that it's – if I sleep in too late or if it's, like, pouring rain or something, but um, – yeah, so, yeah, there's just no need for me to drive otherwise. So what do you think people, what do you want people to know? What do you think people should know about your experience or coming from you or, or high schoolers in, in Portland, Oregon? I think people should know that this cancel, cancel culture thing that's being, I feel like it's talked about so much that for a lot of people it's kind of lost meaning. But I think that people need to know that this is a serious issue. It's not a joke it's not just some weird social trend that's passed because it's been going on for a couple years we've had time for it to pass it's not it's getting worse and I mean especially for parents I would urge you um because I think most high school kids have witnessed cancel culture happen well like what have you witnessed um so last year there was a for the respect of the people involved, I won't go into too much detail, but last year there was a girl at my school. She was, like, the most popular girl at school in my grade, like, was loved by everyone. I became friends with her, but I wasn't in her big friend group. Like, we were in separate kind of groups, but she was super popular, sweetest girl ever. Her and her big friend group were at, they had, like, a Friendsgiving thing. This was last year, um, like, a Thanksgiving dinner all together, and this girl made a joke to one of her friends who was Asian, like a race, a joke that was seen as racially insensitive. And then... Did you see it? We don't need to repeat the joke, but did you see it as racially insensitive? Do you know the joke? I know the joke. I don't... Did you see it as racially insensitive? It's not a joke you would have said. It's not a joke she I would have said, mistake. but... She made a mistake. But I don't... I don't... But it wasn't like a Holocaust. Right. It wasn't it like was an not, internment no, camp no, joke. No, no, no. I mean, if... I'm let's say this. like a really... Like it wasn't like she didn't. She probably didn't like imitate squinty no, eyes. No, no. Let's say this: if, if she had said the version of the joke to me about me being Jewish, and she was one of my close friends, I would not have been offended. And ostensibly, so, this was a close. It was a close friend. friend, and that's the other thing. If you have close friends and you are 
a minority, you should know who your close friends are and know the meaning behind what they say. And if there's so any... she was insensitive. She was being insensitive. I guess. I mean, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't think I would have taken it as insensitive. Clearly, this girl did because she was the girl who the joke was told to. It was unfortunate because there was a video that mm. got it on video. So this girl was labeled as racist. It was spread across my entire school. The girl who the joke was said to posted it on Instagram. This girl, I mean, she lost. She probably, she was, yeah, like I said, the most popular girl at my school. She lost every single one of her friends. The only people left that were friends with her were myself and my closest friend. And it got to a point where people started calling myself and my closest friend racist. Because we were friends with this girl. And not to mention, this girl... And you don't think she was racist. No. And this girl sent a heartfelt apology that I saw with my own two eyes. A heartfelt apology to the girl, probably more than I would have done, to the girl who she said the joke to, saying, I never should have said this. I don't know what happened. It just came out. I'm so sorry if I made you feel horribly. I meant nothing but, like, completely sincere apology. Didn't matter. They didn't care. Um, And she ended up moving schools this year because she, and I have said on repeated occasions that if that experience had happened to me, I don't know if I would make it out alive because that is just, in my opinion, one of the most traumatizing things someone could go through. So it's social death. It's social death. So I would urge parents, if your children come home and say, oh, this person said something racist, or this person, I am practically begging you to talk to them about what was actually said and to challenge them on if that person is truly racist or if they just made a mistake. Because if parents don't hear about it and stop it immediately, this cycle will just continue and continue. And teenagers need to be able to make mistakes Um, And if your child is someone who is a minority who is doing the canceling, then you need to do some some recall on um, your child. Well, of course, it's not just a minority doing the canceling. No, 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 no. I would say probably mostly white doing that. I think that, yeah, I think that um, a lot, yeah, I agree. For sure. And I think that it's, White people see it as this, to go along with the canceling, they see it as this easy, easy way to appear as, like, a strong ally or to then yes, be liked, right. to then be liked by the minorities because they'll be known as, like, oh, they're with us. They're not. So they see it as the easiest way possible. But it's just, if I was concerned that I was racist or was concerned as being labeled racist, I would do the exact same thing. But I'm not concerned about that. And I actually really don't give a shit about that. And I don't care if race is involved. Bullying is bullying. And that's that's the end. That's period. Well, yeah. And again, you're a person who's had Holocaust jokes lobbed at you. So you're not, it's not like you're unaware of what it's like to have a culturally or racially insensitive joke, yeah. quote unquote, or, or anti-Semitic for you lobbed at you it's awful it's a shitty feeling it's disgusting the boys never should have said that and i take it that what occurred with this girl was not would you you call it on the level of a holocaust joke no 
Okay. I would call it lower than the level. But, I mean, I guess that's just personal opinion. I don't but, think it is. Um, I don't think it And is. I also think it's different because I, I think I think she we know the difference between, between you know, a- absolutely unacceptable behavior yeah. and... And the difference was stuff that's more she, marginal. She made stuff that's more maybe insensitive. She made one joke, and owned up to it. These boys, if they had just made the one joke and then stopped, like, fine. I mean, I would have one to me is horrific. Yeah, but, but yeah. I mean, I think it showed a lot of maturity that you didn't just like cancel their lives. And they were totally they were middle done. they were middle schoolers versus you know, high schoolers. Yeah, but so this girl wasn't my I, my guess is this girl who was canceled at your school was not an adult. No. Under 18. Under 18, yeah. Probably significantly under 18. Yeah. Yeah, and I still, you know, talk to her and remain in contact with her. And I actually sent her an apology over the summer for not doing more. Um, and that's one of the biggest regrets I think I've ever had in my life was not standing up for her more. Um, it's like the worst feeling ever to look back on a situation and know that you could have done more to, to try at least stopping it. Um, so yeah, and I, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her. It seems like she's doing really well at a new school, but it should have, I mean, that could happen just as easily to myself or any of my friends or anyone, any teenager. Really? So you think this is the kind of thing that could have like slipped out of your mouth? I know we haven't said what it is, but. Yeah. Um, I think that it could have, I mean, if I was talking to a close friend, I think that it's the kind of thing that could have slipped out of my mouth. But, and I've said, like, I was talking to my best friend about it, and I said, if you had made the same comment to me about me being Jewish, I would not take offense because I know that you are not an anti-Semitic person. I know who you are as a person. Okay, so, like, let's, I think we can, I really do think that it's not subjective I mean we can argue about whether or not that's true but I do think there are certain jokes that are just like objectively not funny yeah like holocaust jokes yes. those are not funny so or I think like slavery jokes right. to a black person like None of that, is, that funny. is not funny that's clear that is clearly malicious and or you're suffering from some kind of extremely severe mental illness yeah maybe both so so you're saying this wasn't on the level of a of a Holocaust joke, and it's something that could have even possibly slipped out of your mouth, and you wouldn't have taken offense to it um, had you been Jewish, and it had been a, Jew- a Jewish reference. Yeah, and I mean, I understand that people have different levels of sensitivity, and I'm not a very politically sensitive person, so there's that, but I just still think if you are truly offended by something that someone says, there's a certain way to handle it, and you don't need to be friends with them anymore, and you can choose to distance yourself but you do not need to destroy their social lives. And you can leave it up to other people to decide their opinions on the person. Yeah, I mean, that clearly had a profound effect on you. Yeah. I mean, it was... It probably was scary. It was very scary. And for I, you, because it was like, well, this kid, this, this kid, like you said, this kid happened to me. Seeing cancel culture fold out, and and that's why I've chosen to um, surround myself with people who I know share similar values, um, and who I trust that that you know wouldn't. But I'm sure that this girl trusted her friends too. 
So it's definitely, it's, it's really scary. What else? What else do you want people to know? Just that it's okay to um, grow up and be surrounded by people who have different opinions than you, and there's nothing wrong with it. And the most important thing is that you respect those opinions and to not be afraid to question beliefs. Even if you identify, even if you're a strong Democrat, like very left-leaning Democrat, if you hear something come up that's a democratic that's seen as a democratic view or as a leftist view and you don't agree with it don't be afraid to question that because you feel like you're being a traitor because we're not going to make any progress in society if everyone's afraid to question things that come out of their own people's mouths well and honestly that's what drives me nuts about the republican party too yeah uh, they they are, they're, like, terrified of Trump still. I don't understand And that's it. why Liz Cheney is, like, my biggest <laughs> hero yeah. because she's, like, the only one who seems to be um, – yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah, she's, she's the only one who seems to be unafraid of Trump. And, frankly, I don't know that DeSantis is afraid of Trump, but I do think it's very bizarre that he hasn't announced any intention to run for president when clearly he yeah. has machinations of doing so. And my understanding is he's, like, I think he maybe publicly um, promised not to do it if Trump ran. Um, and that's just ridiculous. Yes, that's ridiculous. Um, I, 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 they still seem terrified of him. And they still seem to be, to the extent they do distance themselves from him, they, they seemed afraid to do it explicitly. I mean, I was... I frankly was really glad when I read the Oregonian article about Christine Drazen saying Joe Biden's our president and yeah. that she didn't put up with garbage from people in her party uh, spewing election conspiracy theories. Yeah, I was relieved to see that too, for sure. I mean, because I felt like that showed some kind of courage on yeah. her part, given every every other Republican's un seeming unwillingness to go up against Trump. And I know he's a bully, and I know he he's he he's one of the biggest promoters of cancel culture of all, you know, trying yeah. to smear people left, right, and center. I mean, all he does is smear people, I yeah. feel like. Um, so, you know, I get it. I get, I get the fear of, of going against him, but I felt relieved that she felt confident to do that. And she also felt confident about going after people in her party that were engaged in, in the January 6th thing. Yeah. I mean, she, she kicked some guy out of, basically kicked him out of the legislature for participating in that. Yeah, she's clearly not, like, a crazy conspiracy theorist, you People know. People who are terrified that she's mega have no idea what mega <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, And if she was... They should was, meet a real mega person. If she was a mega person, you and my mother, and you would not be supporting her. Like, Oh, yeah. No, there's we'd be no, condemning her yeah. constantly. We'd never stop condemning her. Yeah. So, yeah. I would just urge people to, you know, not be afraid to speak out. It's never too late to educate yourself on something, even if you think that it's an awkward time, if you're, like, you think, oh, you've had these views for so long, so there's no going back now. And just, yeah, just don't go into situations with a closed mind because you never know what will come out of something. Well, thanks, Allie. Yeah, thank you. Thank you I'm for really glad me. you came on. Me too. And it was brave of you because you identified your school. It's not a big school. So... Yeah, I wonder how many St. Mary's really parents you... <laughs> <laughs> how many St. Mary's parents you have because... <laughs>
I, I well, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I don't think I don't think you're you're I don't hear you condemning the school at all. I don't no. hear you can. In fact, I hear you championing the school. Yeah. I don't hear you condemning the student population. In fact, I generally hear you championing the student population as long as they they're not out to cancel somebody else's life over what sounds like was a at best an insensitive comment. And again, I don't know what the comment was, but it um, it's certainly wasn't on level with the with um, something that sounds pr- like it was just obviously and profoundly wrong. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think you're, you know, I, I think you were a good centrist. Thank on the you. Today. You're definitely straddling Thank you. every, all, both areas, which is not yes. easy to do. Yeah, that's for sure. And maybe I'm just tooting my own horn because I'm a centrist. No. <laughs> I feel like it's hard to do. But it, I feel like and I do it is think hard to do. My life is much harder it, living in the city. My life is suddenly much harder than it was when I was a, um, when I was a progressive, yeah. very very progressive Democrat. Be, being a centrist Democrat is much harder. Yeah. Um, particularly in the city. Yeah. Of Portland. Um, I think. I think. I don't know. I, I mean, agree. I think it would be much, much harder if you're a Republican, but those people tend to self-select. And I'm shocked that Bruce Gilley lives within city limits. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure his life is freaking you miserable. Should, you should get Bruce Gilley on Oh, on my God. I next. must. I now must. That'd because be awesome. his life must be miserable yeah, here. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. He must be in misery, filled with misery and anger every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I wonder, like, what he has to get himself well, out of bed. He, every day. you know, what I think he has. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about him, but I'm just guessing that if he's a professor at Portland State, I bet he's got. I bet he he enjoys his subject. Yeah. I bet he enjoys the scholarship he's able to do, and the scholarship that the school help funds and helps him do probably some a fair amount of research. He probably enjoys his students, and he probably enjoys tenure. Would yeah. be my guess. Yeah. Which is very hard to get. Yeah. And certainly very hard to replicate once you get it. It's, I mean, good luck trying to get that at any other school. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's really difficult. Um, so that my guess is he probably has a very nice life to much, his, much of his chagrin. It happens to be in this city. But yeah, yeah I should get him on here. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, yeah. thanks again, Allie. I yeah, appreciate thank you for having on. me.